0: Connecting to the big show.
1: In three, two, one. You know what I
2: mean? It just doesn't compute, you know? The law is the law.
0: Peter, this is in our house. I mean, it really is.
2: People were there. We will continue to raise our voices.
0: We're the one for cork and ready to talk. Can we just talk?
1: Call
0: 1850-715-996. Text or WhatsApp 83 396
1: Email opinion at 96fm.ie.
0: The lines are live. Let's
1: kickstart the conversation.
0: This is The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan.
1: On Cork's 96fm.
3: As I sit here this morning... Uh, Preparing to bring you another opinion line for Friday My head's in a funny place I don't mind telling you now You watch court cases Week in, week out Year in, year out I spent 12 years of my life Sitting in the press box almost full time At the various courts Right up to the central criminal court And right from the district court And inquests and the whole thing When a big court case comes out, there's a natural interest in it, you know. But when it's somebody that I actually knew, that I I won't say I ever knew him well, but I did know him. (sighs) I was in the Scouts when I was a kid. I was in the McCleaves in in BlackRock. And I knew Dave Barry. I'll tell you more about that in a minute, David Barry. But he was in court yesterday. And he was jailed for seven years with two suspended. And Katie O'Keefe was there and she joins me to start us off this morning. Katie, good morning to you.
4: Morning, PJ. Just go
3: through this for people.
4: So, David Barry is a 72-year-old retired businessman. Um, He was jailed yesterday for five years for sexually assaulting Boy Scouts in Cork. Uh, Last April, he pleaded guilty to a total of 29 charges of indecent assault and sexual assault. And these assaults occurred on dates over a 22 year old, a 22 year period, with the first incident occurring in 1986 and the last in 2008. Um, The assaults happened to 10 teenage boys with the youngest aged 13 and the oldest 17. All the abuse happened in Mr. Barry's own home on different occasions. His house had become the common stop off after scout training exercises and excursions. Um, yesterday, Judge Sean O'Donoghue commented that Mr. Barry had breached every possible concept of trust with his abuse of innocent children. Mm. The court also heard that for some of the victims, he plied them with alcohol and made them watch pornography before abusing them at his home. On one occasion, he tricked a teen into being naked with him on the pretext of showing him how to deal with hypothermia for the scouts. The, speaking to the court yesterday, the lead detective, Gary Garda Gary Duggan he said that Barry, not, Mr. Barry not only ran a successful photo- photographic business but was also once a peace commissioner and even rose to the rank of court commissioner in the Catholic Boy Scouts of Ireland so he had the perfect cover story for parents to mm-hmm. entrust children into his care uh, in 1993 he even went one step further and installed a full bar, a full working bar into his home Yesterday, four of his victims, they gave a very powerful victim impact statement to the court. One described his actions as mendacious and manipulative. Another saying Barry abused innocent children for his own gratification with no thought as to the future consequences. Another said Barry acted as a pillar of the community with a successful business, his flash car, living in a large property and even helping to run a children's Santa's grotto each year. The victim said while Barry was doing this, he was actually nothing but a bad apple in the community. The judge, Sean Donovan, then imposed a seven-year prison sentence but agreed to to suspend the final two years, considering Barry's guilty plea, his remorse, advanced age and medical issues of arthritis and serious cardiac complaints. The judge said it would not be unfair to say he preyed on these children. He said it was clear that the abuse was at the higher end of the scale. It is actually believed that there had been complaints about Mr. Barry going back many years. Mm-hmm. Yes, he managed to remain active in Scouting Ireland at a national level and even attended Jamboree national events as recently as uh, 2018. Yeah. Uh, some of the survivors actually also believe that there are many more victims of Mr. Barry's yet to come forward.
3: Katie, thank you for that. That's a comprehensive run through of the case as it appeared yesterday at Cork Central Criminal Court. That's Katie O'Keefe. From the Cork's 96FM newsroom. The newspapers, as you can appreciate, full of it this morning. Primetime had a very comprehensive package uh, last evening. Liam Healan uh, has the front page story on The Examiner. And he's got some quotes from the victims. He used his position of power and trust to groom us. I remember him ringing my mother saying it was okay to stay in his home and he would look after us. Uh, Someone else said your actions over the years are manifestly unforgivable. Your manipulation of innocence shows cunning, forethought and a planned, careful process which demonstrates your so-called apology is insincere and can't be taken as valid. And a simple one says I didn't deserve this. I lived a blissful childhood until I joined the Scouts and I met Dave Barry. He stole my youth and my innocence. And I was remarking at the top of the program, I tweeted this last night. I, I only ever did Mock Eaves, which is baby scouts, like uh, I never went on to the senior scouts, but I was a member of the 17th in Black Rock, there in the village, where that little cafe is now, Wiggy's Chipper was before, and the hall behind it is where we used to meet on a, a Friday, I think it was a Friday evening, for scout meetings, and Dave Barry was a regular visitor to our scout hall. He was one of the highest-ranking officers in Cork scouting. One of the highest-ranking officers, in fact, in Irish scouting for many years. He was a man that we were told was important. He was a man that we saluted. You didn't just say hello, you saluted him with a scout salute. We knew nothing. We were young boys. I was maybe 12. The very, very oldest I was was 12. But this man was a pillar of society. A peace commissioner. A successful businessman. There's a very good chance that I'm speaking this morning to people whose weddings he photographed. Hundreds of weddings. He was a damn good photographer in his time. A damn good photographer. But this Scott was doing this, in plain sight, and Scott is the word I use, and Tony Nation joins me. Tony, you and your wife advanced in scouting to quite a high level of leadership. Tony, you knew Dave Barry well, and you posted last evening that you once looked up to him. How do you feel this morning?
5: Well, Pedro, uh, good morning to you. And uh, still upset this morning. Yeah. I'm actually physically upset. Um my wife is upset. Uh this man, you know, I I won't say I worshipped the ground that he he walked on. But when I when I got back into scouting in in the in the early nineties and kinda of walked up my way up through the ranks to as you say, to county commissioner. I was the county commissioner for the Cork South Scout County. And he was the commissioner for the for the North. I looked up to him as a as a mentor, as somebody to be followed, as somebody to be admired, and what you said in your opening comments there, how you know you saluted this man, yes, you did like there there was a a little greeting that we used to do where we interlocked our our left hands, and you know said you know and you know when he was shaking my hand, I felt as part of a of a large group of people in scouting uh Little did I know what was going on in the background, and to say I'm disappointed and, literally I'm I'm actually frustrated now here this morning over it.
3: You and your wife served scouting for many years, Tony, and like you say, you you know him, you you know him, and you knew him well, or at least you thought you did.
5: When you when you heard this coming out,
3: what was your first
5: reaction? Well, the thing I heard about this was, you know, uh, there was something that happened in about 2006. Somebody said something to me and about this man, you know, and I said, "No way, you don't know that man. That man, you know, he's a pillar of the church. He is, as you said earlier on, he, he you know, he 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 was a a good businessman. He was involved in Toker Credit Union, you know, he had everything going from. He was a peace commissioner, uh, and you know, I said, no, no you know, no way." If I had any inkling, I would have been the first to put up my hand to say there was something wrong. And I feel let down by Dave Barry and by Scouting Ireland because I understand that he went for counselling four times, so somebody knew about it. It should not have happened. If if there was an investigation and he had to go for counselling even the first time, then yes, get him counselling. The man probably needed the counselling but he should not have been left back into a scout troop in any shape or form, not even on, as, a, as a committee member.
3: Am I right in saying that even after that first incidence of counselling, he continued to climb the ranks?
5: Yeah, this is all revelations to us last night, PJ. I just read, I, 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 I and, and, and you are right, and he was held in high regard. He even, turned, he even attended the 2018 Jamboree, which mm-hmm. I was up at, and he was there. Uh, and you know again And in 2018
3: Tony did you have any idea that this was to come?
5: No No it was after that it was after that I did get a wrinkling in 2019 about it and again I couldn't believe it but you know the more I was hearing uh, I even heard it directly from one of the victims and you know I, I was still telling him that you must be wrong, no, this couldn't be, this couldn't be right. But mm. I do think Scouting Ireland have left the volunteers down badly.
3: They have questions to answer, certainly.
5: Oh, they, they have major. Now, myself and wife, my wife have stepped away from Scouting, and the only reason we stepped away from Scouting, because I'm 62 years of age now, Mary's heading into, into her 60s. It is a game for young for young people because there's a lot of outdoor activity and you know we're getting a bit old for camping.
3: Ah, you carried the 62 very well Tony to be fair to you.
5: <laughs> Thank you very much Pete but like my scouting life and I, I, I still feel that I'm a scouter and you know I, I follow you know the, the scout law to, to the end to do my best for people and to help people where I can and that's that's all I ever wanted in life and that's what we taught all our kids. Now, all our kids were, were involved in scouting. It has done them a power of good. Uh, my son was the first Chief Scout Award recipient for Carrigaline. Again, we were, we, we were we ch- you know, delighted in that. We did the Explorer Belt, so I did the Leaders Challenge. It is, scouting is great for the young people, and mm. it gets them out there, out in the opening, and they're getting an education. And isn't outdoor. it
3: terrible, Tony, that... And you can't amplify what you've said loud enough. You just can't. But yeah. but but this this Scott tarnishes the whole lot. He shouldn't but he does.
5: He is. And like people don't realise. He's got a double hit us, right? These victims and rightly, they, are, they deserve some compensation. Now, money doesn't pay for all the hurt that these victims have gone through. But yes, they have, to be, they, they have to get some sort of compensation. Where is that compensation coming from? If it comes from the Scouting Island coffers, which I understand at the moment are running fairly low, then it's the kids will suffer again. So it's a double blow back to the youth within our Scouting organisation. All
3: right. They, Tony, I, I know you many years, and, and I know how dedicated you were to scouting when you were in it. And I, I, I have some inkling, I think, of how dark your heart feels this morning, and I'm sorry for you.
5: It's a, it's a bad day for scouting, and I, I feel sorry for all the very, very, very good volunteers that are in it at the moment. Uh, scouting Island should be given back to the volunteers and let the volunteers run it again, because mm. our management's up there at the moment. We, there, there has been a as well, you know
3: questions. Questions need, need to be asked and answered, I guess, at, at the very highest level, and it's probably best that we leave it at that for now, Tony, because this uh, this probably has has more mileage in it to run. But uh, for today, thank you for being with me on the opinion line, Tony Nation himself and his wife, retired scouting leaders who knew and worked with Dave Barry and saw nothing because he ha- he he hid it. So, well, he converted his house. His marriage broke up in the 80s. And he converted his house. It's six bedrooms, a fine house. I was never there, by the way, before anybody asks, even though I didn't know him. He converted his house into six bedrooms. He put in a full bar. The only thing I'm going to put out there, I'm not going to imply anybody or implicate anybody here. Here was a man with six bedrooms with bunk beds in it in his house where teenage boys would regularly stay over after scouting activity and you know what? that might be okay but he put in a full bar with full alcohol that wouldn't be allowed today did nobody think ever that there was something odd you look back at it now it's damn near 40 years ago but did nobody think there was something strange or was it that he was held in such high regard such high esteem everyone danced around him like he was king canute did they turn a blind eye or did he successfully convince them that he was a great fella. I'm, I'm cross and upset this morning. And this is a man I haven't seen. Well, I would have seen him. I would have known him from around town. Oh, that's another thing. He, he remembered you. He always remembered you. He would still have saluted me around town two or three years ago. He would still have saluted me. And I would have had probably a brief word with him. I might have met him outside his photography studio. Ah, oh, Christ, it would be a couple of years ago now. And had exchanged a pleasantry or two. With him. And he remembered me. Uh, wow. Well, they're out there among us lads. It's horrible. It's a, a horrible, horrible feeling.
0: Can we just talk? The opinion line on Cork's 96 FM. With Dairy Made Premium
1: Spread, 100% natural and made in Cork using West Cork Cream. <laughs>
0: The Corks 96FM Music Panel gives you the power to pick our playlist. Click 96FM.ie now. 96FM.ie
1: now. Take the 10-minute survey and you could win a 100-euro shopping voucher.
0: The power to pick what we play. Pick
1: what we play. Join the Corks 96FM Music Panel.
0: Find the link on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter.
1: Find the link on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter.
0: Or C96FM.ie. Can we just talk? The opinion line with PJ Coogan.
1: Call us now. 1850-715-996.
0: On courts 96FM. A
3: caller on the phone said, I find it so frightening. He was glorified and he took all of these stepping stones up the ranks. His behavior was atrocious. It's beyond my imagination. We have to be so careful now with our children and our grandchildren. How can you trust anybody? Well, I will say this again, and I'll say this without fear of contradiction. Uh, the vast, vast majority, as Tony said, of people involved in scouting, volunteers, leaders, mentors, they're all great people. They're great people. But the fact that you can have such a, a scut hiding in plain sight within them shows a real problem. Um, Paul says I feel the DPP should appeal the sentence five years is too lenient it's a disgrace his victims have a life sentence and there is a sense out there and I'm not making a prediction Um, it's what I get from reading the paper and from watching the news last night there's a sense out there that others may now come forward that saw some people getting justice some people getting their day in court they may come forward there may be more here Eighteen fifty-seven one five nine nine six. Yesterday, I was talking to Deborah about the M twenty plan, the Cork Limerick motorway plan. There was a, a public meeting last night in the open air, uh, in opposition to the Navy route, which is the proposed Navy route, which would be a motorway running from Limerick to Blackpool not involving bypasses now of the likes of Mallow and Charleville and Buttevant, as you think they might, but a whole brand new motorway swathing down through the counties. And a lot of people are very uncomfortable with that plan. I believe there was quite a turnout at the meeting last night, even though it had to be held still with COVID restrictions. Karen, you were there. Good morning.
6: Hi, good morning, PJ. Good morning.
3: What was the mood at the meeting last night?
6: Um... It was, um, I have to say, it was really an amazing um, event. I suppose this has been going on in the background for us um, since last November. And just to finally stand with our neighbours and to have the support, that physical support around was really incredible. It's been a really, really stressful, difficult time for all of us. Um, covid notwithstanding and then to kind of have this um just come out of the blue really i suppose that's kind of been the difficulty for us now there was only about a hundred of us there and we all wore masks and it was outside um but it was it was just an amazing event it really really was um the i suppose all the political parties were represented which i was actually surprised by to be honest Mm. um so there were representatives from um finnegal colin brock was there um Fianna Fáil, um, there were two Green councillors, um, Alan O'Connor and Oliver Moran, um, there was um, Thomas Gould from Sinn Féin, Paul O'Sullivan is the Fianna Fáil TD and mm-hmm. then James O'Connor who's a TD from Fianna Fáil as well um, and he is um, he's actually from East Cork yeah. but he's on the um, Transport, TII. Transport yeah.
3: Committee as well. Yeah.
6: yeah, And just even just to hear their supports, so I suppose they were they were all kind of seen from the same hymn, same hymn sheet which was fantastic. Mm.
3: Now look, for years people have been saying that we need a better road between Cork and Limerick and it's plain as the nose of your face if you Absolutely. tried to drive there. It's, it's a nightmare. It's an yeah. absolute nightmare. If you don't yeah. get stuck in Butterfinch, you'll get stuck in Charleville. If you don't get yeah. stuck Stuck in Charleville, you'll get stuck somewhere else along the way, but, you know so there's no one arguing here I think uh, Karen, that the road doesn't need improving.
6: Oh absolutely Absolutely. But what's the and and with that this was exactly plan. the message. Yeah, that was exactly the message last night, I suppose, that obviously, the, you know, those twisty, windy country roads, um, you know, around Buttervent and Charleville, you know, are an absolute nightmare. And anyone, you know, dreads driving to Limerick at the moment, you know, because you, you just don't know where you're going to get stuck.
3: I had the experience of taking a bus <laughs> to Galway one time. I was going up to Galway for an event and I decided to take the bus because I knew I'd be having a few points and the car was not advised. So I got on the bus and we got to Charleville. And there was some fella had broken down in the main street for Charleville. Oh, yeah. And we sat on that bus in the sunshine for 35 minutes. Like you can't have that on a no,
6: you no absolutely not and you know I think we all do I think I know the names the shops and the boutiques all along at Charleville and Butterworth because we've all <laughs>
3: you nearly salute them as you you know
6: absolutely so you know there's, there's absolutely there's no there's no debate there and I think even politically there's, there's absolutely no debate we're, we're all singing from the same hymn sheet there I suppose our issue really is um, from from Mallow down it's it's that section of the road um, and the the proposal that they have is a very new one like i suppose the 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 plan for the N 20 has been knocking around for the last 10 12 years it was put on hold because of the recession um and i remember even when we moved here there, the plan was always that you that the the existing n20 um between blarney and Mallow would be upgraded you know and there and there are definitely parts of that that need upgrading and it has got busier over the last few years but not not busy to the extent um that if it's like i suppose the motorway that they're planning from from uh in our section in the 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 area that we're concerned with um is for 50,000 cars and at the moment there are three or four thousand cars um using it every day um so it just seems to be and i suppose you know like we've come through the COVID crisis and our next crisis is the climate crisis and that was clearly coming out again it was just so heartening to hear The politicians there last night, um, because across the political spectrum, be they in government or be they in opposition, um, they they were far more supportive of an upgrade of that section of the road, as opposed to blasting through, I mean, you know, PJ, if you saw where I was living here now and just looking out in these green fields, and the farmer who actually owns the fields next to me um, spoke last night. Um, and about how much? His so where, whereabouts
3: are you, Karen? Just for
6: I'm in between. I'm kind of I'm up outside. Say if you come up Station Road and Blarney. So I mean, I'm in between. I same used to street. live
3: on Station Road and Blarney. A
6: way, yeah. <laughs> so if you keep going up that road, PJ, as if you're heading up to White Church, that's for, where Where the I am. old and, like, train
3: station used to be.
6: Yeah, and even up beyond that again, exactly. Like so, I could be. You could be anywhere. You could be down in West Cork. It's it's extremely like, quiet. Up past um,
3: Ardara and all those estates up oh, there. Oh,
6: way up. Yeah, right, yeah, right, right, right. Yeah, it's very, very rural. Yeah. Um, and I suppose the, the farmer who spoke last night to, you know, talked about the value of, of that field that's now going to be, well hopefully not but there, there's a proposal that it'll be CPO'd, it be taken off them um, you know farmers listening in would, I'm not from a farming background but farmers listening in would appreciate, he said he, he gets three rounds of silage every year from, from this one field it's a very valuable field to him, um, and it employs you know, five people. He said he's got a full-time farm manager and um, members of his family are working full-time on his farm, and he says like, it's going to be a big chunk of his farm taken from him, and he doesn't want it to be taken from him. Mm. So I suppose there are they're like, they're personal stories that we heard last night, and then there's the bigger, the bigger issue, I suppose, of you know, what are we doing to our environment, and what kind of a country do we want? You, know?
3: you, you, you mentioned the politicians that are there, good to mm. see a, a broad attendance, but what are they going to do?
6: Well, that's that is that is the next question. Now, I know um James o what was the Connor. yeah James O'Connor, yeah, yeah, the the TDEs. he's
3: on the transport so, committee, yeah.
6: yeah. so he said that like they I suppose they're going to try and get us in front of the Iraqis transport committee, um you know, and to kind of do that in front in ahead of the NDP review. Do you think that would be helpful? listen, I suppose at this stage anything would be helpful, Do you know I suppose any, any, um, anyone that would listen to us and listen to our concerns um, and really take them on, and I suppose I just did feel last night that there doesn't seem to be the political will for this motorway so I'm just wondering where, you know where, what is the will, why, you know, why are we even considering it um, and I know even up the east coast um, you know, they were looking at um, doing new routes around the M11 you know, in Wicklow and Simon Harris' constituency mm. and he came out again, kind of Saying that you know that a less intrusive option, they were going to again build something like the you know what they're proposing here, just running this massive dual carriageway through you know beautiful, rich farmland um, and a very scenic area. And he um, you know came out and said a less intrusive option yeah. would make more sense, and but that's also, actually what they're going to do now. They're just going to upgrade yeah. the existing routes, and that's all we're asking for. And and it is one of the options, T.J. It's yeah. not like we're we're inventing this. It yeah, and this isn't a done options.
3: deal. This this it's a favoured route, but it's not it's not a done deal. No, well it also get no. the impression, Karen, that there's every possibility that groups like yours will spring up along the full length of the route and that this thing may never get off the ground at all.
6: I know. Yeah, I know it is. And, you know, and I suppose that's the way and we've seen, I suppose, with the NHS as well, you know, how long, um, you know, that, that battle was as well. Um, yeah, and it is quite likely. And, you mm. know, and I believe that there are other interest groups um, kind of up, up, the, yeah. up the way along as well. Like, and yeah. before
3: I let you go to stress this, because I can see it coming in, I can see the comments coming in. Mm. This is not NIMBYism. This is there's a better way.
6: Absolutely, absolutely, yeah, and it's just, it's for, it's for the future of the country, I suppose, as well, that absolutely, that, that there's no need to be destroying, you know, people's farms, people's livelihoods, um, when, when there is, of course, you know, safety is at the top of, of all our agenda, and no one wants, you know, a road where there are crashes and where there are safety issues, but surely... You know, um, engineers who are planning on um, building a dual carriageway up, like the gradient coming up from Blackpool where where they're proposing to build it, like, you know, there's going to be some kind of miracles, feat of engineering to try and achieve that, then surely there must be some way of managing mm. to upgrade what's there in a safe, sustainable, much cheaper, by the way, say for, for everyone listening in, um, they're, they're planning to spend billions on this new road. It would be a much more economically viable option okay. to upgrade what's there. Yeah, right. and, okay. and this is taxpayers' money. This is everyone's yeah. money. It's not just us. Yeah.
3: This, this is one we will follow with interest, continuing interest. Thank you, Karen. 185715996. Come here, on a light note, I was thinking of doing this this morning, but then I was a bit too bothered and a bit too perturbed by the whole David Barry story at the start to throw this one out to you. But you know those little things around the house that just get on your last nerve at a time when you don't need them on your last nerve? I got a call a nature at around, what, I suppose, 25 to 9 in the morning, and this morning, and that's not a time you want to call a nature in this old job, trust me. You're busy, busy, busy there. Do you know what gets on my wick? The little seal at the start of a toilet roll. Do you know the way? It's like a little—it's like a sealed line at the top of the toilet roll, and you have to be picking with your fingers and you're trying to get it to roll off and it's tearing and it's. Just thought, that's gone. Are there other things <laughs> that you, that happen every day that drive you absolutely light? When you're there on your last nerve, is there something that you go, oh, gee. The seal on a roll of toilet paper. I honestly thought this morning that I would be tied. But I picked up two of them and neither of them would open. I got it sorted eventually, all right? Just in case you're asking, eighteen fifty seven one five nine nine six. What's what's your particular bugbear? Ordinary things around house around the house that would drive you
0: light. Can we just talk? the opinion line on Corks ninety six FM with dairy made
1: premium spread, one hundred percent natural and made in Cork using West Cork cream. Let me
0: show you what it's all about. Simon Murdoch and the best music mix
1: weekdays from midday on Corks ninety six FM. Your afternoon soundtrack in Cork. I've got you covered. It's Dua Lipa.
0: Hi, this is Tiesto.
3: You're listening to the weekend. I'm Miley
1: Cyrus. Always bringing you those latest online trends. Anything
7: that's happening in Cork. Amazing giveaways. Thanks a million. Thank you. Uh, absolutely brilliant guys. Thanks so much. And loads more to help you through the afternoon. Oh, six seconds. <laughs> I'm actually,
0: actually shocked. My hair's going down show you what it's all about. Send it Simon Murdoch, midday to 4 p.m. on Corks 96 FM. Can we just talk? The opinion line with PJ Coogan. Text
1: or WhatsApp now 083 396 96
0: on Corks 96 FM. Your newspapers this
3: morning are Particularly the broadsheets are full of speculation as to what's going to happen on the fifth of July. And I think most people now are coming to the conclusion that whatever happens, you won't be going inside the pub on the fifth of July. It's it's increasingly unlikely that you will be going inside the pub on the fifth of July. It's equally unlikely that you're going to be going inside your favourite restaurant anytime soon. And you're going to be sitting in the open air for at least another couple of weeks maybe three weeks a bit like and we wouldn't be the first to do this a bit like Boris did in the UK when the scientific advice that he was getting was look Prime Minister hold back on this for for about three weeks till we get more vaccines out there and that seems to be where we're going particularly with this Delta Uh, Irish Independent uh, talks about it and the Irish Times Irish Times actually says the delay to indoor hospitality reopening is now likely Last night, Sam, Mc- Sam McConkey was on primetime, and he was saying that he would hope it wouldn't happen, which is very optimistic for Sam. But it does look as if Neffet will advise in the days to come that we hold back on it for a week or so, or maybe maybe two weeks, and look, the restaurateurs and the publicans will be losing it. And you can see why. God almighty, you can see why, if you're very sorry for them. But safety forced at all times. One group that are open again and getting back to some kind of normal are the gyms and the health clubs and groups like that. And for this week's Cork versus Covid package, Jonah Corcoran has been viewing some of them.
8: We opened Bank Holiday Monday. We normally do reduce hours on a bank holiday, but we opened um, as normal at 6.30. There was 720 slots available on Bank Holiday Monday when we opened and every one of them were full. So people were just buzzing to get back in the door. Um, like, there are people who were kind of apprehensive about coming back. Mm. Um, like, a lot of things have changed while the doors were closed as well. People got into training at home. They were buying equipment, you know, to do their own gyms at home. So, like, we're not going to get everyone back. But, like, the people we have got back just... They're loving it. Like, so what is it about the gym that people missed? Because as you said, a lot of people started doing training at home. They started doing open sea water swimming. They started doing running, maybe. I think it's just the atmosphere. And, like, you wouldn't have the range of equipment at home mm-hmm. that you'd have in, in the gym here. And, like, a lot of home equipment is very expensive as well. So um, it was just... And I think have like having people here that have the knowledge on training like the gym instructors and the personal training and like that's something that you wouldn't have at home either you know tony martin runs a personal training and well-being center in the city center he says people are glad to be back but the last year has been tough on so many
9: and i think the biggest um, issue for everybody being affected has been like nobody knowing exactly what's going on uh the access to information has never been greater in terms of everybody having an opinion. Mm. Um so between, between all the real information, disinformation, science, non-science, I think people are very, very confused and it's the fear of not knowing has driven people to the state that they're in now. But I think like everything, we're all living in hope. Uh, once there's been a little chink of light for everybody, everybody is hopefully moving on now in the right direction. But the last year, it's, it's it's been it's been heavy going, kind of from a financial point of view and from every other point of view. But I think everybody has been in the same boat.
8: Tony says the uncertainty around lockdowns and reopenings has taken its toll on people's mental well-being. It's
9: that unease, you know, the the people are feeling because of the unknown, mm. and that's where that whole thing is at. I think for absolutely everybody, and we're just waiting to be told, yeah, you can do this, you can do that, and. It's like a lot of people in kindergarten being wait, to, to, waiting to, to, to be told what to do and to have their their choices defined for them, which is um, which is a very very unpleasant way you know to live your life. But everybody's in the same boat. So we just got to make the most of it, make the best of it, and, and just flow on and wait and see what happens.
8: Back out in Cove, Bear Rowe says that measures are in place to protect every gym user's health and safety. Classes are currently being held outdoors, and she says this is one measure that could remain into the future. We're not allowed to run classes in, indoor, um, the classes are back indoor from July. So um, Andrea is actually doing a spinning class outside there now, um, and they're f- like they're f- they're full. You know, which is great. Like, But it's good if the weather is fine, mm. but like last week we had to cancel a few classes because of the rain.
3: That's the latest Cork versus COVID package from uh, Fiona Corcoran on the gyms and the health clubs, and they're open. They're still trying to adapt to outdoor and all that, but they are open. Good luck to the rest of them. You'd wonder what will happen on the 5th of July. We try not to speculate on this programme. We try to go with data And unfortunately, the data doesn't look good. It looks like it may be inevitable that Neffert will ask the government to hold off. Now, the government don't have to, but they may well ask them to hold off. Now, last week, Dr. Tony Houlihan was saying everything was going just great because in the vaccinated cohorts, then the infection had gone off a cliff and it was virtually eliminated. But we still have so many hundreds of thousands of people particularly young people unvaccinated let's speak for uh, the second time this week to professor liam fanning uh, professor of immunovirology at ucc Uh, it's changing rapidly liam over the last few days um, and it looks inevitable now as if we will have to hold off for a couple of weeks how do we tackle this good morning
10: Good morning, PJ. Um, well, I suppose there's a couple of elements to it. One is probably a bit of kite flying um, by uh, government and kind of maybe softening the uh, the message up or getting it out in advance. Maybe um, we've seen this kind of uh, approach taken uh, before to when there's, when there's bad news. So, where we stand really at the moment, PJ is, you know, okay, you can divide it into unvaccinated, vaccinated and use of antigen tests or the non-use of antigen tests. And that's how how we have to move through. We've seen Europe are moving through this pandemic with the use of all of those four elements. So if you talk about the where's the biggest risk to our society at the moment? It's in the unvaccinated and the unvaccinated ending up in hospital. And the key group that we have in that group, PJ, are the 60 to 69 who have only had one dose of AstraZeneca. And there's quite a large number, a couple of hundred thousand of them uh, waiting their uh, second shot of AstraZeneca or as, a, as I would prefer if they would just give them the second shot, uh, give me second shot of Pfizer, give them a heterologous vaccine challenge. Yeah. And that would mean, I suppose, that it would use up some of our Pfizer vaccine that would that, that is planned for the 30 five to 39 year olds but the 35 to 39 year olds are in a much better state health wise and we'll say the statistics support uh, you know use of the vaccine in the older age groups over the underage groups to meet that directive that we have is to protect the vulnerable and to protect our hospitals um so and the other thing is like we're not without you know tools in this we can use antigen tests if we want to open up Um, There's two things going going
3: on there though, Liam, isn't there? First of all, NIAC doesn't seem to be going anywhere near the concept of heterologous uh, vaccination. And and also, and as we heard last week at the Transport Committee, both Dr. Hullahan and Dr. Glynn both say the science isn't there to support the rapid testing.
10: Okay, well, let me deal maybe with the second one first. The antigen yeah. testing. The, U- the European Championships, as uh, anyone who's even vaguely interested in it will have seen, full stadia um, with individuals, and they used antigen tests in uh, Denmark and at uh, Denmark anyway. And out of twenty-five thousand antigen tests, they had only very few positives. But it's not the few. The few positives that they picked up show that the system can work. And reduce the possibility of an infectious individual going into a crowded environment unrecognised. And we saw from the TV screens there was no masks. Yeah. They were sitting beside each other. And um, you know, uh, you know, it is almost reminiscent of the day of, of, of Parky or Parky Quive being kind of full.
3: And how would that uh, work, Liam? Like you turn up to the stadium and say, "No, you just mentioned it." So you say, "Turn up to Parky Quive for for Cork and Kerry." Right? Yes, and and you're tested going in, properly tested now.
10: And so, they so, say,
3: sorry, you're, you're positive, you can't come in today.
10: Yeah, that's it. so Here's uh, your they money have back. A, a tracking system um, in many of the European countries where you can get an approved antigen test um, locally. Usually, you know, they're, they're scattered throughout the cities and you can get them. And you get a QR code then, which tells you you're non-reactive to the antigen test. And that allows you access to the stadia, to restaurants, to pubs. So therefore, you know, as, as you know already, uh, PJ, these antigen tests are particularly good at differentiating infectiousness from those individuals who may be positive, but not infectious. And uh, we've all heard a debate about the, the rel- rel- relative pickup rate of antigen tests versus, uh, you know, uh, PCR. Um, and and as I've said before, they're asking different questions.
3: You'd be inclined to to trust the science. Why is it that Diac seems so reluctant to go for the the mixing of the vaccines?
10: I, I don't understand uh, why they've been very they've shown to be very cautious and very kind of slow to deliver information to government, which is then onward communicated to us. Look, we have nine countries across the globe: the Canadians, the French, uh, Austria. Uh, you know, lo- you know, using are about to implement this mixed antigen um, supplier our heterologous challenge um, uh, policy with respect to kind of vaccinating their pop- population. And we know it gives a really robust immune response better than two
3: AstraZeneca. And quickly, I believe.
10: And quickly, absolutely, yes. Yeah. Because, so you know, the AstraZeneca has been shortened to eight weeks. Now, there's some arguments to say that that's a great idea. But it also, we know that, you know, the longer you leave between the AstraZeneca those doses, you know, you get a better immune response. Yeah. So on the one hand, you're giving people a second vaccine, which you're actually shortening the efficacy of the yeah. vaccine as a payer yeah. because you're shortening the dose. But if you gave them the Pfizer vaccine, you'd give them this. It's not just uh, it reaches what the two AstraZeneca vaccines need. It goes beyond that in immune protection. Yeah.
3: So i don 't understand the p j the four hundred thousand people presently waiting on a second dose who are between the ages of sixty and sixty nine The idea that you would put the young people ahead of that that worries you i think
10: uh, it, it, well okay, there are two sides to that in in, in any war, you need to really attack uh, your advers- adversary from as many fronts as you can we 've done the age related vaccinations, and I suppose it 's unfortunate. Um, that we have this hiatus in the 60 to 69 and they're left exposed. But at the same token, we have most of the, vac- most of the infections are now between 19 and 24-year-olds, um, you know, so, so the under 30. So there has to be some discussion and use of the AstraZeneca vaccines that, we, that Leo has said are going to go out of date. Um, in a heterologous challenge, give them the AstraZeneca vaccine first and four weeks later, give them the Pfizer vaccine. You know, I think we have to use judicious use of these vaccines to help you know, get these numbers down. Uh, Dr. Hooleen has said he's concerned, but he's probably concerned from the perspective of the potential impact of very large uh, numbers of being infected with Delta and then ending up in hospital. Most individuals who get this infection now um, are going to handle, have a very uneventful infection. They might get a few symptoms, yeah. and a very few, but a very the, few of the are hospital the numbers. Large number. have, and the I the hospital I don't
3: numbers have fallen off to the Cliff. They have
10: the fall off, Cliff. We've broken this chain between infection and hospitalisation. Vaccines have largely achieved that. The last bit we need to target. Is that group where there are most of the infections. Yeah. So that's why I've been a long advocate of opening up the vaccine portal to anybody under forty once when the over forty is done. Okay. Uh, Lastly you know, and
3: briefly, Liam, if 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 Tony Houlihan rang you up and said, What do you think I should do on the fifth of July? Should we open the bars and restaurants?
10: I said he should embrace antigen testing um, as one of the articles in which you can open up safely. And bear in mind if we could, you know vaccinated individuals should be able to kind of go out and, and, and mix freely. So, you know, we kind of have a divided population and this age-based you could almost call it unethical or apartheid, you know, age-based apartheid access to medicines is no longer tenable because we have most of the vulnerable vaccinated. That's what I would be saying to them.
3: Alright, Liam, thank you as always for joining us on The Opinion Line. That's Professor Liam Fanning, Professor of Immunovirology at UCC. light and that get on your last nerve or your last wick at the time when you don't have the patience to work your way through it. Martha says the little ring, the little ring pull seals in cartons of milk when you unscrew the tap. If that breaks your neck, yes, I find by the, by the cartons with the bigger screw top, they don't have it in my experience. But yes, Martha, that's a pain in the neck. If that thing breaks, you're there then trying to open up a knife and you'll cut the fingers off yourself and spill the milk. I know exactly what you're talking about. Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, advertisements that feature a doorbell. Oh, the number of times I've had a dog lose his mind in the kitchen because there's a ding dong on the radio. Ding dong. <coughs> oh, shut up, you fool. Yeah. We've all had it. We all, and I love this one Eugene wants to invent a square sausage <laughs> because what drives Eugene mad is he's trying to fry sausages right we've all been there he tries to fry sausages but because of the heat they roll away from the side you want to cook that's just something to do with the heat and the fish. they roll so you're doing sausages in the pan right you're turning them and then they're yeah oh yeah so the square sausage might be an idea thanks Eugene for me as I said earlier on it was when you were trying to open a toilet roll And the little You know this little thing, the pick at it Trying to get it open and tear in a big pint of Yeah, those things Any more that you can think of For a Friday, for the laugh 83 396 96 What's this about?
7: Have you failed today? Could I interest you in some drugs? Hey, let's dive in Have listened to that again. Have you failed today? Could I interest you in some drugs? Hey, let's dive in.
3: I recognise the voice, but I wonder what he's at. Endo
7: Doherty, good morning to you. Oh, good morning, Peter. I'm sitting here roaring, laughing at uh, square sausages.
3: <laughs> Just the things that dry, you know, but you're there with a pen full of sausages and they're kind of starting to roll around. Yeah, I, yeah I get it. I it, get
7: makes, it makes <laughs> perfect sense. I'll add odds. I'll add uh, socks in the tumble dryer to that. You know, when you open it, there's 50 socks and you can't find the bloody one that matches. Yes. That's, I'd add that to my list.
3: <laughs> well, I solved that one by only buying myself black socks.
7: so they all match (laughs) everything matches they all
3: match Ender what is the Mighty Mini podcast and where did it come from
7: well PJ first of all thank you so much for having me back on and can I say thanks to all the listeners who the amount of emails and messages I got from Cork the last time I was with you was just fantastic and it made my day I suppose look the Mighty Mini podcast comes around from the background I'm sitting right now um, in Waterford, in the car park opposite the National, the Sports Arena here, and uh, there's a big long line of people coming in uh, to get uh, vaccinated. And it's been, I suppose, for me, I really thought about. It. It's been the hardest year for a lot of people. People have been squeezed financially, emotionally. People have lost loved ones. It's been, it's been a tough year in us all, and it's still ongoing. And you know, sometimes people are almost talking about COVID as if it's a thing of the past, but. What I decided to do was based on what people were saying to me about, you know, that my, my book came out at Christmas and it got, you know, really positive feedback from people about someone with a positive mindset and sharing ideas and sharing information. I decided that I'd go and set a podcast up. So it was either PJ a coffee van or a podcast, and I don't know about Cork at the moment, but you can't walk ten feet in Waterford without <laughs> walking into a coffee van. Yeah, it's something like that here as well. And yeah. I won't I won't complain because I love I love my coffee. So the the Mighty Mini podcast came about for that reason. The name, Mighty Mini. Mighty because um, some of the episodes are quite long where I've had guests on and I've had the most amazing people come already to coming on the show and doing an interviews. And Mini because, well, some of the episodes are four to six minutes long. Two of the snippets you played there are four to six minutes long and I, I described it to someone as, you know when, when you go for a walk, and you listen to a podcast and then you go back and you meet your friend or you meet your partner and you summarise it for them. You tell them what you heard, but you generally do it in about three minutes. So I thought why not cut the middleman out and can cond- dense it down to three minutes of solid advice or good information or something that will make people smile in these dark times, something that will give people some inspiration. Yeah,
3: Now I was being cheeky with the little snippets I took from the two of them (laughs) but but those little four minutes, like the one could I interest you in some drugs, you, you go on to talk about the normality of drugs in some people's lives.
7: Yeah, well, the the drugs that I'm talking about there are are drugs that, like, sadly, some of them we haven't been able to get our hands on. So, for example, serotonin. So, um, you and I haven't met in the flesh yet, PJ, but when we do, I, I, I have a great handshake, one that, you know, not a dead fish, you know, did you ever get a handshake oh, from someone has, uh, and the hand is, like, oh, limp, they're almost dead? Well, I'm, I have a good handshake, but I have an even better hug, and I tend to hug people. And I suppose I'm, I'm a positive, friendly person, but hugging people gives you that serotonin, gives you that buzz, that smile, you know, telling someone you love them or being told by someone you love them gives you that smile, you know? Mm. Um, I'm glad we're on the radio here because I smell like a wheelie bin at the moment because I've come out of the gym and I've been sitting in the hot car fermenting for the last 10 minutes. God. But but the reason I was there is because I got some adrenaline, I got some endorphins and it makes me happier, you know? And it's about saying to people, you know, ha- that particular uh, snor- short si- snippet is, you know, your happiness shouldn't be an accident. It should be something you get up and actively pursue today, you know? Um, I think... I think the the, long, the, long, the mighty ones, PJ, has been an absolute revelation for me. Um, the first one I put up was Keith Barry, yeah. who absolutely, even on, on a podcast, blew my mind with a trick he did. But his positivity and his kindness, his generosity, an incredible guy to talk to. And, you know, a, you know, it's weird. I'm sitting in my sitting room with an idea of a podcast talking to uh, Keith Barry about his best friend, Morgan Freeman. And I'm sitting there with a cup of coffee going, what the hell is happening? You know, but uh, he's he's a great storyteller. And I, I I have a great range of people coming up. I wanted people to see the celebrity. You know, the way sometimes when people meet you, they think they know PJ Coogan because they listen to the show every day. Mm-hmm. But, they, but there's a public persona. So I've tried to get, you know, to go for the human side of people that I've had on, including Keith. Um, I had an incredible interview the other morning with Mr. Michael Healy Ray who everyone will know from the flat hat and, and you know you know making loads of noise in the doll but um, very interesting character very deep man a Lovely and guy think, actually Lovely guy and I, I tell you I learned something about him before I even met him because uh, when, when your lovely Fergie contacted me and said would I come on on the show I said absolutely I'd be delighted to come back on but when I contacted uh, Michael Healy Ray to see would he come on he said I have one slot he said it's 5am tomorrow morning yeah. And I think that probably reflects the work ethic that he like him or hates him, he he's a hard working guy, you know. Mm. But um I've had him, I've had international rugby players, um, you know, i I coming up, I have the most amazing episodes. There it's something that when you go for a walk and you come back, you've stretched the legs, you've got some light, you've got some air in your lungs, but you've got ideas in your heart and ideas in your head, I should say, and passion in your heart. You know, mm. I spoke to I don't know if you've had Zoe Holohan um, I, I spoke to Zoe the other night, and Zoe's backstory is that she lost her husband in a, in a fire in Greece on her honeymoon. Oh, I've heard and the you,
3: story. Yeah.
7: yeah, and you couldn't imagine a more difficult, horrendous experience. And that woman had me rolling around laughing. She's so positive, so upbeat, mm-hmm. an, an incredible character. And I said, well, that's what I wanted to bring to people yeah. with the Mighty Mini broadcast.
3: What have you... when you you go behind the public persona and I have a little podcast of my own which I'm about to rejig and get into a second series in the next week or so, which is along the same lines, getting behind the public persona, is is there something that you've learnt and that when you do that you discover something, wow, this is different?
7: Yeah, I mean I I discovered it myself first of all I mean I work as a motivational speaker with companies and businesses and you know I'm on through lots of media stuff and I discovered that I need to shut up. I put a sticker page on my microphone for the podcast and it says shut up because I have to listen more in life to learn from these people. That was the first thing I learned. I suppose I also learned, you know, when guests come on the podcast, I said to all of them off air that I I want to chat to you. I want to find out about you. I have no interest in controversy or winding you up or making a fool of you or catching you out. It's not that kind. I'm not that kind of person. It's not that kind of podcast. And it's amazing when people got that reassurance, yeah. Like they opened up and and spoke about things that I, like. Several of them have said we have never spoken about this in public before. You know, um, I mean, a lot, I'm sure a lot of people would w- be unaware that that Michael Healy Ray has huge reading and writing difficulties, mm. um, and that didn't learn to read till he was in secondary school. But I mean, I I was sitting there with my mouth open because I mean, he was uh, he was telling me about his mother working in the Syrian embassy in New York because she wrote and spoke uh, fluent Arabic, and you know, and uh, you know, it's if not I gave what you a expect, lit- is no, it's not what you expect. But I got that the whole way through the the process with with the with the mighty episodes. Uh, the feedback on the mini ones has been wonderful. Like people are saying to me, do you know what? I, I like I got an email from someone the other day. He said I was boiling the kettle and I listened to the three minute podcast and it was great. He said I walked out of the house with with something in my head that I was going to do for the day, and uh, that gave me a real smile. You know, and it's I th- I tell you, Sue. It's, it has pushed me you know I know you're sitting at a desk there with 5000 buttons headphones and there's three people talking in your ear and there's 20 things on the screen and anyone who has to be in a radio station doesn't have a clue the pressure that you guys work on and how it is. Keep talking cam. keep talking you're talking it's my true. tune here <laughs> It's true it's true because I, I did two I did two afternoon shows in a local radio station and ran out the door at the stress level but You know, I've learned new skills, PJ. And I had to, you know, if you told me six months ago that I'd recognise a sneeze or or a cough on a sound wave and be able to eliminate it without even listening to it, I'd have said you were mad, you know? Mm. And I think COVID-19, like... like a lot of it was horrendous horrible sad and dark but there's been great things come out of it you know I mean this podcast for me has been a great thing and you know I have made friendships and formed relationships with people that I never would have dreamt that I would have met you know and it yeah. pushed me and challenged me and I will be so glad when it's gone oh my god the thoughts of walking through duty free and, and picking up some chocolate and aftershave it oh, I, it just it's like a carrot hanging out there in the distance and you know my son migrated to uh, Germany at the start of lockdown and we haven't seen him for a year and it kills me I mean we talk every day but God I miss him terribly Mm. but while there's been tough times I think in all of our lives you know I speak about resilience the whole time you know the it's the tough times that make us. You know, yeah. we we will put value on the good things and the good people at the end of this. And, and and all of us, I think, you know, for me, the purpose of the podcast is to say to people, you know, you need to get more from your life. You need to enjoy more. You need to be kinder. You need to make progress. Yeah. Um, I, I'm generally very upbeat, PJ, but I I'm going to, I was thinking about, I know you're looking at the clock there. I can actually sense it. And you're saying, right, this fellow tough for Ireland. No, but, you're grand. Drive on, but, drive on. The, the, well, what I was going to say to you is this, is that, you know, a lot of... People will speak about, you know, particularly motivational speakers. In my line of work, people are very upbeat, and it's a good thing. But I, I want to finish with, with something powerful, and but it's negative, and it's this: is that the average person listening to your show this morning will live 28,000 days. Twenty-eight thousand days, and it doesn't matter how much quinoa you eat. It doesn't matter how much liquor you own. It doesn't matter how many times you, you run marathons. We're all in around the clock is ticking, and we get to the same point. So, I suppose for me, and the point of this podcast is to say to people, you know, squeeze the juice, squeeze the light of light and life out of every possible day that you can, because mm-hmm. the clock is ticking, and like I say, we're, we're here for we're here for a very very short time.
3: And you know, you talked about the things that we got out of this—that this awful sure. darkness and these long dull. Particularly winter, where you sat there sometimes goes, Is this our life now? The one yeah. thing that I personally, and I've, I've, every Friday when I've finished at 5 to 12, I've said the same thing to my listeners, and it's become so personally important to me take joy from small things.
7: Yeah, yeah, sure. That's been absolutely.
3: hugely important in the pandemic.
7: Yeah. Yeah, I never, I never thought. I, I don't want to be advertising it, but I never thought I'd get such pleasure out of the Middle Island Little or Aldi. The excitement of seeing what was going to, what, what, what was going to come in. It's strange times we live in. Or, you know, I went into the bank the other day, PJ, and I had a full face mask on and sunglasses. And the the bank teller, not only did she, was she calm She thanked me and she didn't press the emergency button for the guards. You know, <laughs> right, like, right? Isn't it? Right. Isn't it completely crazy? It's but God, I mean, it, it opens my mind to you know. I mean my backstory that I've written about in my book is, is very, um, you know, centred around the fact that I had huge struggles with alcohol. But, you know, I was talking to someone the other day and we were saying, you know, to keep your eyes open for people and see how people are getting on. Like, somebody asked me what was one of the hardest things about lockdown. And I said, look, people. I love people. I love crack. I love being around people. That was hard for me. But um, for someone who's an alcoholic to wash your hands in alcohol twenty times a day, I have to tell you, it was absolute and still is torture. melts my brain. <sighs> like and, um, That's not something that, I'd ever thought of. No, because you 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 don't you don't wake up in the morning fifteen years later still thinking about a glass of vodka. But I do. But um, you know, there was a chap I was just talking to, and he said, jeez ah, go away." And he said, "You make a drama out of everything. You know, it's not that bad." Was it? And I said, "Well, I said, imagine you were on a you were morbidly obese and you were on a diet, and for the entire day, someone asked you to wash your hands in chocolate sauce." <laughs> and he says, to, "He says, Jesus, yeah, that wouldn't be pleasant." I said, no, it's tough at times, but look, it's be- it's better than the alternative. Pj, one hundred percent.
3: Absolutely. Do you know what works really well? Just to let you know let, before I let you is the three minutes, the three or four minutes ones because it's 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 great. Uh, you can. Can, you can do it while you're boiling the kettle or you can do it while you're buttering a bit of toast and, and it's, it's easily digestible and that really, really works.
7: Yeah, I think I think, you know, it's the like podcasts are, are everywhere, but I think I, one of the things I've always tried to do in life and I and I would recommend to anyone doing the same thing is like I, I didn't someone said to you, who do you listen to? And I said, I don't listen to anyone and they said, Oh you must and I said no because I don't want to become someone else. I know right now I am easily the best endo Odherty and this is easily the best endo doherty podcast in the world because if I'm not copying someone I'm not trying to be someone, just be yourself and it's a it's a lot handier. Um like my, my wife PJ, it's funny because she's my editor and she and I run everything past her but like last week she said I was I was losing the plot completely because I spent a week where I read everything I could get my hands on belonging to the Dalai Lama and then I sat down on Saturday and I wrote You've not got minutes. him on the podcast surely I have not, not as a guest if there's an idea Sir, sure, look I'll send him an email I'll catch my arm <laughs> but, but what I wrote on the Saturday was lessons from a Lama and it was four minutes of you know what can we what can this amazing man and a very intelligent man what can we bring to our lives in Ireland from the Lama? So, so there's a, a, a short Lama lessons. And she was my poor wife was like, "Enda, you have completely lost the plot now. Are you really going to call it Lama lessons?" And I said, "I am." I know. Why, why not? Why give not? A, why not?
3: Give it a, give it give us a smile. I've I've subscribed and I'll, and I'll be listening regularly. and Good to have you on the opinion line always. That's Enda O'Doherty. Uh, many many things. Motivational speaker. But now the are behind the Mighty Mini podcast and the interview with Keith Barry, which I had a brief listen to this morning, is brilliant. We've all ha- we've had Keith Barry on this show many times. We've chatted many times. Uh, it's one of the best interviews I've ever heard with Keith Barry. It explores a whole different side to the guy. And that's what it's about. Uh, speaking of podcasts, my own one will be back next weekend, 20 minutes with. Uh, it'll be back next weekend. I'm lining up guests for Season two, um, and one of them will be a surprise. I'm doing it into with him this weekend, and I may or may not launch the season with him. I'll see where it goes, Uh, but it's a a surprise guest. It's a guest you'd never expect to hear on a podcast.
2: Even when we're on a budget, we
11: still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high end goods for fifty to eighty percent less than similar brands.
8: instant glam.
4: Visit impressbeauty.com slash press on and use code press on 25 at checkout for 25% off impress manicure and press on falsies.
0: Can we just talk? The opinion line on Corks 96 FM. With
1: dairy-made premium spread, 100 percent natural, and made in cork using West Cork Cream. Access all areas on Corks 96 FM. Your
0: guide to nightlife on the side. Hi, it's Michael here with an update on Corks Entertainment.
5: Corks Cabaret Connect will host its grand finale tonight with a top lineup of music and spoken word featuring Stephen James Smith, Eva Scott, Lorraine Nash, and Rosso Halloran. It'll be streamed live to see. Evening from 8pm, and you can register and save your spot through the Cabaret Connects Crowdcast channel, or check details through their Facebook account. Access all areas. Drawing on the award-winning book "A Ghost in the Throat," Darren De Grifa presents a live literary event created in collaboration with filmmaker Tygo Sullivan and composer Linda Buckley. A live stream takes place this Sunday evening. With more details at everymancork.com. Access all
0: areas.
5: Feel free to let us know at Access All Areas if you have a rescheduled show coming up or any live stream. Streaming events by emailing us at aaa at 96fm.ie. Access all
0: areas. Your guide to nightlife on side On Cork's 96fm. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan.
1: Call us now. 1850
0: 715 996. On Cork's 96fm. So there's a
3: Ring of Kerry charity cycle tomorrow in aid of MS Ireland and it's being done by a guy called Leonard Cody Uh, but Leonard's brother Decky and we'll lay the cards on the table here. Decky's an old pal of mine going back many many years and we've watched our friend over the last few years struggle as he learns to live with multiple sclerosis which is why I wanted to chat with him this morning. How are you Deck? Hello PJ how are you? Good how are you today bud?
12: Um, not too bad, not too bad like still numbness in the legs and numbness on the three fingers on the right hand but, but so, we're getting there like I, I've just started a B12 injection so
3: we're not okay. too bad a boost. We'll talk about the medication in a while Dick but when were you when were you diagnosed and how did you how did you notice that something was wrong?
12: Um, I got diagnosed the, the, the 5th of October 2017 and I didn't know what was wrong because my partner Linda who Discovered, she said, you're starting to drag your leg, and you know, fellas being fellas are a trap nerve, bulging disc. I said, I'm grand. Hmm. Like, I didn't have a doctor in 25 years. 1992 was the last time I had a doctor. How's so, your pain at that stage? Um, numbness, numbness, numbness more than anything else. Like, um, like, I didn't think, the, I didn't think of the pain or anything, it was just the numbness and the dragging of the leg. Um, I used to be inside and walk and say, the numb hand and the numb leg. And Linda said, no, she said, look, I'm ringing my doctor, you're going to my doctor, she said. And from there, Dean, he put me in for an MRI scan, of the CUH. Mm. And in the 5th of October, you're told within two hours, you're not going home, you're not going to work, we're keeping me in for eight days, we're, di- we're 80% diagnose you with MS. Mm.
3: Um, You're what forty forty four at the 40, time. 40, yeah, just forty four, forty four, yeah. forty five. An awful yeah. lot to land on your lap at that stage, isn't it? it? It is like it's it's like
12: getting hit by a dirty fish. That's what it is. As I said, you you just sit there and you say, "Oh, what do I do?" Mm. Like your 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 life changes. Like um, as I said, now 2017, four years this year. And it took me it took me three years to realise that you can't do what you were able to do before, mm. and what was easy before now becomes hard. Like even walking now, like you're you're walking and you might be walking on, as I call it, like best way I can explain it is like a water pit because the leg, the right leg, is numb with me, and it's just you're trying to keep your balance at all times.
3: So, when you mean numb? Like you, you can't feel, you can feel its presence, but you have no you, sensation of the leg being there. Like, can, can you feel yeah. your trousers?
12: Um, on the left leg, yeah, on the right leg, you know it's there, like, but you you have that numb feeling on right. the
3: leg. And can you feel your foot or your toes or anything like that?
12: Yeah, you, you you feel them like you feel the numbness, the numbness okay. the right down from. From the hip right down to the toes. Right.
3: Is this a bit right like when leg. I fall asleep at night and my leg is under me and I wake up and I have no feeling in the leg? Is that Exza- thing when you- right:
12: Exactly. Just before the pins and needles kick in as I say.
3: And you have that constantly?
12: Constantly on the right leg and constantly on three fingers on the right hand. Right. No no let up there night. is just always true.
3: Right. And... does like, Did you know anything about this at the time? About
12: in, MS? I knew, I knew about MS, what it was, but I didn't think I would have it. Yeah. Like, you you, you say, like, when you're taught, you're going, nah, they're, they're wrong. And then you're saying, look, you're only 80%. You're still saying to yourself, I still have 20% of the chance that it's not MS. hmm well,
3: And you cling like to that 20%, don't you?
12: Oh, you do. You think of it all the time, like, and... How what it, what they do then? They'll they'll more MRI scans, CT scans, blood tests, and then what they do then is the lumbar puncture, and that will determine of of what what category or what stage MS you have. Right. So like I was told that time, I was told four years ago I had relapsing remitting MS. So like they're saying, look, your brand knows that was when I was brought into the hospital, they said that was your relapse. So you go, they put you on a course of steroids and things like that. And they don't know it themselves. Like it, it, it's, people that I'm at the learning now, like with people with MS, I have very, very good friends now. Don Looney, the vice chairman of the Cork branch. Liz Hooley, the chairperson of the Cork branch. Mm. And they're very, very good. Especially Don, like he, he, I've often rang him and he said, you still have a bit to go. Everyone everyone who suffers mess, MS is different. Mm-hmm. They'll have a different symptoms and that's what's so, I suppose, mind-blowing about yeah. it.
3: And, and what that's, is the hope, Dick, that the medication and the treatment, that they stop it and that it doesn't get any worse or what?
12: Um, now I'm still learning myself, but as far as I can gather, it's try to prevent it from not getting worse mm. it's to try and stabilize this but then as as I was saying, PJ like it's trial and error of which medication will suit you mm-hmm. and that's that's where I am now at the moment and um, they're changing my medication from Avenix to infusions mm. and they're hoping that this will This will like will will give me a better life. Mm -hmm. That I'm not when I'm walking on my own. I don't have to stick with me. Or if I'm walking like I mightn't. I might look drunk because being unstable on the the, being unstable on the legs because the numbness on the, the right leg, like. Yeah. So it it's it is like it's like I'm still four years later. Like I'm still I'm still getting. To know it and how to respect this.
3: There's an interesting way of putting it. How do you mean?
12: Like, fatigue, fatigue is the hardest thing with, with everybody with ME. And before now, I, like, you will drive on, like, even cut the grass, cut the hedges, you keep going. Now, if I do a half an hour, I will say, right, that's enough. Pull back. You stop. When you feel the body getting tired, you say, right, I have to go and relax and sit down or go to bed now. But Like you learn, you learn how to res, You actually learn how to respect your body and listen to your body. Then if you push me too far, you will suffer. Mm-hmm. And you'll say, right. So I pull back. This is what I can do today. And that's, and you pull back in this. It takes a while to get used to it. It took me, it took me three and a half years. As I said, my partner Linda, she'd be out and saying to me, She said, Dick, sit down, you've enough done. I'd go, No, no, no. Just sit down, you have enough.
3: Yeah, this whole thing that we have, and, and we men do this, we, we try to work through a bit of pain, or we'll drive us, and say, Ah, for God's sake, I'll be fine. But you have to say, No, I won't be fine. In fact, I'm only going to get worse if I don't stop now.
12: Exactly. And if you don't stop when you have to stop, where it came to one or two days, you could be, you might have no energy for three or four days. Yeah. you you like, you you just drain your body of all the energy you'll have. Like some days now with me, I have, as has happened to me, that I didn't have the energy to get out of bed. And I'm not a person who stays in bed. Yeah. I'd rather get up and get out. But when you say, when you listen to it and it says, enough is enough,
3: you say, okay. So you literally wake your wake up in the morning, you open your eyes, and you go to sit up, and the body says, uh-uh, deck, not today. Yeah, exactly. And that has happened like that, that
12: event. Not today, you're going to go back down, and you'll say, yeah, I'm going to rest. I have to rest. Because if I don't, it will punish you.
3: It will punish you. Yeah. You mentioned, and look, it's not just you. I mean, you've got no. your partner and others around you. It's it. this is this is a, a, a condition that affects an entire household, isn't it? It does, CJ, and
12: that's 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 the thing. Like, it doesn't affect the loan, it doesn't alone affect the person who has MS because the whole household, like Linda, has to get used to me with MS. Like, at first, we were saying art is grand, I'm just overworking, and then when we did get the diagnosis even, even the mother at home and things like that we kind of had a double whammy back then like I was told about MS and then three weeks later the father was told that he had cancer and has since passed away so it was a double whammy back then and with MS you have to try and keep your stress levels down because it it causes a
3: reaction all the time okay. You have to take it handy Now for M S Ireland, it's it's your brother, isn't it? Is doing the yes, Ring of Kerry yeah, tomorrow, yeah, no. go, and that's kind of why I wanted to speak with you. He's he's doing the Ring of Kerry cycle tomorrow. Well, it's
12: it's it's called the Ring of Kerry, but I think this year they've called it the 170 My Own because because of due to the, the restrictions yeah. and the COVID, uh, they can't go down to Kerry to do the Ring of Kerry, so they've been all told to do it in the wrong county. But so the brother didn't turn around the last last January he started doing the cycling. So he asked me, he said, he said, how do MS get funding? I said, Oh to charity workers that they they there's no government um funding to MS, I said everything's done through a charity, I said, it's how we raise the funds ourselves. I said and I said why? He said, Look, I'm going to do the hundred and seventy kilometers mm. He said my, it's my, it's called My Way this year, but he said, I I'll, I'll, I'll want to raise it for MS. Okay. Cork Branch. Okay. So well, I got on to Don Looney. Yeah. He got on to, to Liz Hulian and Sean Murphy, the treasurer. So we organized, first we organized um, sponsorship cards, but a lot of people, due to the, the restrictions and the COVID working from home, we set up a, a GoFundMe page. Yeah.
3: Well, uh, that's currently standing at uh, €1,000 and for MS Ireland, not just because you're an old pal of mine for MS Ireland, we'd like to do a little bit better than that so what we're going to do is we're going to we're going to share the GoFundMe page on all of our social media and we wish uh, Leonard the very best tomorrow and Dick, I'll talk to you soon my old friend No problem, and mind PJ, yourself. I'll talk to you soon, I will and thanks so much PJ for, for
12: promoting for promoting MS Cork branch and the work they do, because everything everything goes back into the people of Cork who suffer from MS, for All physio, right. um, counselling, and everything. So nothing nothing will be left out of Cork to be put back into Cork to help the people of Cork who suffer from MS. All right. Okay. Uh, thanks very much, PJ. Look yourself, here, buddy.
3: We're always keeping in contact here with emerging business. We like to look at new business, new ideas, new quirky little ideas. So Foxglove Cocktail Company ticks a number of boxes, including the fact that they have one, or that uh, Tara Copplestone, uh, the brains behind Foxglove Cocktails, has been named as the Network Cork Emerging New Business Winner for 2021. Congratulations, Tara. Good morning to you.
11: Good morning, TJ. How are you doing?
3: Good. And this is a a lockdown baby, if you want.
11: Yeah, absolutely. Um, It's an idea that uh, I I came up with uh, with my brother Rory during the first lockdown last year. So um, I uh, was always in the hospitality industry. I lived in New York for... Six years and the final two years of that, I was a bar manager. So when the pandemic start, uh, began, um, I unfortunately lost my job, decided to come back to Baltimore and um where my family is. And um, in the meantime, during that first lockdown, came up with the ideas of Fox Love cocktails. Cocktails. Um, and what we do is we create non-alcoholic craft cocktail mixers. Um, and they're designed so everyone can make their own craft cocktails at home.
3: Right, so you provide all the colour and all the flavour and I provide the vodka.
11: Exactly, yeah. So the way we like to look at it is, like, we do all the fuss so then you can have all the fun with your cocktails. You right. don't have to worry about, you know, the waste or picking up different uh, ingredients or having to make syrups or teas. We do all that. All you need is your alcohol, a bit of ice, and then we give a garnish as well that complements whatever mixer you choose. You kind of have your whole cocktail kit there uh, for you to make your cocktails at home.
3: Yeah, I, I, you've named like Blackberry Smash, which sounds gorgeous. What would you put into Blackberry Smash?
11: Yeah, so the that would be like blackberry and ginger would be the main flavors of that. So uh, that would be beautiful. Let's say with like whiskey, uh, with gin, with vodka. It would be sweet with the blackberry, but then the the ginger then gives it a great spice in the back. Mm. So the great the great thing about a and cocktail mixers is that they can be. Use with a variety of alcohols, or they also can be drank alcohol-free um, as they are. I was just going to desk. say
3: that. Yeah, I was just yeah. going to say that you could you could mix them up with, with a little spritzer, a bit of sparkling water, maybe, or something. Yes,
11: yeah, so they're super inclusive. Like if anyone's maybe let's say if they're, if they're uh, trying to limit their alcohol intake, or if they're pregnant, or even if they want to enjoy a cocktail with their children, and um, it's a it's an all-inclusive mixer really. Um, so, alcohol Fantastic. is only one part of it. Where yeah. Do
3: you, where do you sell them, Tara?
11: Yeah, so at the moment, um, we are in three Farmer's markets. We're in Mountain Point every Thursday. We're also in Skibbereen on Saturday and then in Skull Farmer's Market on Sunday. Uh, We have a couple of retailers um, around West Cork. Uh, We also are on neighbour food um, in uh, about eight neighbour foods around Cork and Kerry. And then um, as well as that on Fridays, we have our own click and collect and delivery service for Cork City. Mm. So we have our website, foxgillcocktails.ie. Um, all our mixers are available there. Place your order by Thursday evening. Okay. And you can collect them by Friday afternoon in our location um, in Lancaster Quay, which is right um, by the Riverley Hotel. Uh, you know, just there. Yeah, so right there, uh, people can collect them in Friday evening. Um, ready for the
3: weekend you you mentioned that all of this came from the, the downside of lockdown that you ended up back at home because you'd lost your job and you were you were one of one of one of thousands i guess it's a having a network to reach out to uh, of of other business people other business women. how helpful was that to all this?
11: yeah, I suppose especially like starting a business in lockdown like you really do. You're just at home, like you're, I don't know, um, how it would have been with outside of lockdown, but the, the support you even got virtually through Network West Cork was amazing. The women there are so encouraging. Even this morning after winning the award last night, like, uh, some of the women were calling me, congratulating me and I've never met them in person. So even that virtual, uh, relationship has just been so lovely to us. And it's great to see women really like, uh, you know, supporting others coming up the ranks. Um, so that has been really encouraging to us.
3: All right. Well, congratulations on the award. What, what's the dream to get uh, Foxglove onto every shelf in the country? Is that the is that the dream?
11: know um, that I love to get into events. Uh, my big thing is maybe do like weddings, do private uh, you know private parties. Maybe uh, have it as a shop. Maybe uh, just you know there's a lot of different ideas that we have going on. But I love people to try it, uh, see what they think, give us our feedback. Uh, it, it is our first birthday this weekend as well. so
1: Congratulations.
11: It's very, it's
3: very serendipitous that this award came. Absolutely uh, brilliant. Yeah, Fox, and ie is the website. Congratulations that's- and I can't wait to try out this Blackberry Smash thing. Uh, that's the one that catches my eyes. T- Tara Copplestone, uh, congratulations. Mm-hmm. And of course, the brother Rory as well. Formed Beautifully formed in their own kitchen at home in lovely Baltimore in West Cork. Fox love cocktails. They have the mixer. They make everything else up. You put in the booze or you put in the not booze if you want to. And off with you. Great idea. Emerged from lockdown. 1850-715-996. Yeah, the square sausages. You can get square sausages, Eugene. Hi, PJ. From London. I don't know who you are, but from London. Uh, You can buy square sausages. In Iceland, no, not the country, no, no, not Yaya Ding Dong country, no, 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 no. From the shop, Iceland, we have one in Douglas, and I think there's one in in Middleton. You can buy square sausages apparently at Iceland. Uh, <laughs> love the program. Listening from, uh, thank you very much. So that's Eugene's. Another one of those things that drives you demented is. You ring up Aer Lingus, or you ring up an insurance company, or you ring up any big company like that, they go, your call is important to us, please hold. Da-da-da, 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 Your call is important to us, please hold. And you're thinking, if my call was important, you'd be answering me. The
0: lines are live. And we're ready to talk. Can we just talk?
1: Call
0: 1850-715-996. Text or WhatsApp 083-396-9696. 96 96 96.
1: Email opinion at 96fm.ie.
0: The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan.
1: On Cork's 96FM.
0: Yeah,
3: weather-wise
0: only okay
3: today. But hang around. Be patient because we're about to get a lash of summer. It won't quite hit us full in the face for the weekend but next week is looking pretty damn tickety-boo right through. Tomorrow, Saturday up to around 19 degrees maybe a bit warmer in the sunshine uh, about a 13% chance of rain but a generally very nice day for late June. Sunday better again temperatures in the low 20s only a tiny chance of a shower. Monday, we're looking at 24. Tuesday, looking at 25. Wednesday, looking at 23. So bear with it. Tomorrow, a little better than today. And then we have a run of days in the low to mid-20s for all of next week for the start of July. We'll take that. So we will. We will take that. 1850. 715996 Talking of things that drive you mad Yeah Starting sellotape It's a bit like the toilet paper The start of sellotape You ever, you need to tape something And you grab it and, Where is the start of the bloody thing And you're there with a finger And you're trying to find it and Oh yeah, oh yeah A buddy of mine Who's an electrician uh, show me a little trick years ago And it's so simple It's so simple The last time you use the tape Whether it's sellotape Or insulating tape Or whatever Masking tape Or tape, Whatever the la- When you use it Before you put it away Take maybe a quarter of an inch And just fold it over Just fold it la- Before you actually Put away the roll Just fold over And squeeze it together And that way you have a starter For the next time But I do Oh god I do Uh, Yeah, and oh, don't don't even talk to me about cling film, Sarah, Murray. Don't even talk to me about cling film. I know all the greenies will be saying you shouldn't be using it anyway, but look, we do, right? (laughs) Oh, that would give you the... Where is the start of this bloody... And then you find it, right? And you start peeling it off the roll. And then it tears. And, or then you get to the end, and you can't tear it. Because when you do, it all rolls up in a oh ball. Yeah. Any more of the things that drive you demented? Yeah, trying to get through to skies, says Kim. Yes. Yes, Kim. They're better online. Quite right, seriously, they are very better, very much better online. Eighteen fifty-seven one five nine nine six, or if anything that drives you mad 083 396 96 We've all done the wine, wine and cheese thing. Something myself and the Queen Bee like to do on a decadent night with a good movie. Or sometimes in the summertime we'll sit out the back and we'll bring out the cheese and the wine and we'll sit there and it's lovely, a bit of wine and cheese. Do you know, now I'm not talking about sort of ancient vintage at a couple of hundred quid. A bo- I'm not. I'm talking about Wally's Hut from Centra at 7 and 99 and a few nice blocks of cheese. But I've never thought about beer and cheese. Never thought about beer and cheese in my life. They're not two things... I would put together. I need to start thinking again, apparently. Judy Wilkins is general manager from Rising Suns Brewery. Judy, good morning.
13: Good morning, PJ.
3: Beer and cheese.
13: Beer and cheese. Why not, I say, first of all. So, for, I suppose, all through the last decades we've been matching wine and cheese. But it's now kind of come to light that beer is actually a better pairing. Why? Because I suppose... They have a lot in common. So we, to, to look at what they have in common, we need to look at their origins. And we can trace back the origins of beer to about 10,000 years before Christ, when the first settlements started to domesticate grains and grasses.
2: Mm-hmm.
14: Now,
13: if they were domesticating grains and grasses, it's not far removed to say they were also domesticating animals.
2: Right. So we can
13: assume that cheesemaking began thousands of years ago. They're both the results of ferments. Beer ferments into alcohol and cheese ferments into acids. Now, they both have gone a huge, undergone a huge revolution, particularly in about the last 20 or 30 years. We can see that there's a lot of, you know, small cheese producers and local producers, some great ones in court. And we've also seen the rise of craft beer or locally brewed beer.
3: We have some magnificent cheese in Cork alone, but I mean in Munster, we have some of the best cheese in the world and let's let's be very straight about that.
13: Oh, 100%. I mean, why we even look to other cheeses at the moment is beyond me. I mean, if I'm having my own cheese and beer board, um, it'll all be Irish cheeses. Yeah. They are, and most of them from Cork. Hmm. Now, I suppose, like any other food pairing, there are some, I don't want to say rules or guidelines, because we've heard that those terms far too much in the last year. But there are some kind of hints that you can follow. So, like, like your wine, we'd look at intensity. You know, you're not going to pair a really light cheese with a very, very high ABV alcohol, but nor would you pair a really fully bollied red wine with very light fish.
3: Sure, so, you would not, no.
13: No, you you look at the same kind of ideas. You can look for complements between beer and cheese. So you know we all love these salt salted caramels, sweet and salty. One complements the other. Or we can look for contrasts in them so that flavors that are completely different. And the idea I like to use there, which is not cheese, is warm chocolate cake with some raspberry. <laughs> <laughs> <There you laughs> <talk. There you laughs> <laughs> no, I'm talking the sweetness of the chocolate mixed with the tartness of the raspberries works absolutely yeah, amazing. It does. So I, I suppose today, if I was making my own cheese board, what would I put on it? Mm. I would have four cheeses. I would have a goat cheese. Oh, I would have a mature cheddar. Yeah. I would have a smoked cheese, and I would have a blue.
3: Oh, now, blue, you see, blue is, not my, I have to say, my favourite Irish cheese, and I'll be in trouble for saying it, my favourite Irish cheese is not a Cork cheese. It's, oh. it's a cheese called Wicklow Blue. Okay. It's a magnificent no. blue cheese because it doesn't have that very strong taste. Go yeah, with, well. B- b- blue cheese, blue cheese can, like, some blue cheeses, you don't want to be in the same room as them.
13: No, they're very, some of them can be very overpowering. Personally, I like casual Blue. And That's the reason lovely. I do is that it has biscuity, sweet flavours yeah. rather than those overpowering, strong flavours. Yeah. Now, casual Blue or a blue cheese will pair beautifully with a porter or a stout. But I like to do something a little bit different. Mm. I like to pair it with an IPA. Okay. And an India Pale Ale. And yeah. India Pale Ales, they're. A little bit high in alcohol, between 5 to 7%. They're very hoppy, and they're quite bitter. Mm. But when you pair that with... They're an acquired IPA, taste, to be fair. Oh, completely. They are an acquired taste. I would always recommend with somebody, look, if you want to drink an IPA, start with a pale ale, acclimatize yourself, and move up to the IPA. Yeah. But the absolute best experience, and I can guarantee this, is if you drink an IPA with the blue cheese, the herb flavor from the mold will absolutely explode. Wow. So it's a fantastic pairing.
3: That's an unusual one. Judy, I am uh, particularly partial to one of the the, the Rising Sun's stable. I love Mm a pint of sunbeam. Oh. What would I put with a pint of sunbeam?
13: Well, our sunbeam is a pilsner. Um, So a pilsner or a lager. Sunbeam is very, very, very light. Mm. So... You would want to pair something quite light with it. If I was pairing with the sunbeam, I'd certainly go along the lines of goat's cheese. And um, mm. goat's cheese tends to be light and creamy, but it has a nice tartness. The tartness of goat's cheese is a signature. Yeah. The sunbeam is not going to overpower anything to do with the goat's cheese mm. and the goat's cheese isn't going to overpower the sunbeam.
3: Yeah. Well, the, that that's the problem with Sunbeam, and I love it. I mean, you could ladle Sunbeam down your neck all weekend. It's so easy to drink. That's the problem with the damn thing.
13: <laughs> well, on, on that note, TJ, we have just released a new lager. So it's a uh, Helles, right. a German-style lager. Um, and this is our first inroads into um, ever producing a different type of lager. So it's a seasonal special. Right. Um, it's a beautiful lager because it has a little bit of sweetness and it has a very bready flavour to it. So completely different to sunbeam. A little bit higher in alcohol mm. and, you know, maybe drinking a little bit less than the pints you pour down your throat in sunbeam.
3: <laughs> <laughs> oh God, I, do, I, I cannot tell you how much I miss <laughs> Crane Lane and a DJ and a few points of sunbeam. I don't mind telling you.
13: Oh, I think like the rest of us, you know. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully we're on the way back up. You know, the G- the isn't looking that positive, but no, you, never
3: know, was, you never know. You never know. You never know. But definitely, the idea of mixing beer, uh, mixing beer and cheese. Um, it's it's an unusual one. It's not one I would have thought about. Like, would you now, Would you? Are there particular ones that like? You know the way, like you said, with some with some cheeses, you would mix a stronger wine absolutely. than yeah,
13: absolutely. So take for example, I love mature cheddar, yes, and our, our, any type of mature cheese. I particularly love coulis cheese, mm. and which is which is a very it's a rich and um, sweet, caramelly. That's a red rotten. one,
3: isn't it? Rather than a white cheddar.
13: It's, yeah, it's, yeah. Yeah. So it's it's beautifully strong, and what I would pair with that is along the lines of an Irish red. And why would I choose an Irish red? Well, mm. we use a speciality malt in the Irish red, which gives these caramel flavours. Yes. So when you when you pair it with, with a cheese that's caramelly, it really just again makes the flavour explode. That actually
3: sounds lovely. Good strong oh, it, cheddar cheese and and a red and a red, but it sounds lovely. Absolutely,
13: it is. Absolutely gorgeous, because when you think of beer, beer is a recipe. The brewers, they tweak and manipulate it to achieve the flavours that they want. So, you know, with wine, you're quite limited to, I know there's lots of different flavours, but with beer, we can choose to manipulate those flavours. So why not pair it with the same flavours? I suppose the next
3: thing now is to go into into pubs when we can, and instead of, at the end of dinner, the wine and cheese board, we're looking at the... Beer and Cheese Board
13: Absolutely And we've done Some couple of events In Rising Suns Of Beer and Cheese Nights Which were actually Very successful And um, we did them In conjunction with Elka from Beer Ah yes And we had Huge response to it And um, we were booked out And unfortunately Covid hit So we had to Cancel our further ones But we'll be going back To it again When things relax And people Absolutely loved it Wine drinkers loved it Beer drinkers loved it so there'll be plenty of those going on again in the near future.
3: I, you know, I know straight away people are going to start asking me because they know the quality of the stuff. But can you, um, any of the Rising Suns product in cans in the, in, yeah. yeah?
13: Yeah, PJ, um, with COVID, I mean, some great things came out of the pandemic. And one of it for us was we launched our cans into off licenses, which was the first time. And again, we had a great response at the moment. Um, available and selected off licenses in all core Heritage pubs, we have two cans available. We have Mayhem which is a hoppy wheat beer mm. and we have Fifth Horseman which is a low ABV IPA at 3.8%, a nice easy drinker. So they're available and we will continue to be doing cans um, into the near future anyway.
3: Excellent, alright listen I look forward to trying some of those combinations uh, Judy, good to talk to you Judy Wilkins, General Manager of Rising Suns Brewery, a uh, cheese and beer. Try it this weekend. Beer and cheese. If you have a few cans in, the, it doesn't matter what it is. A few cans in the house or a few bottles in the house, and a bit of cheese in there. Have a go, have a go for the crack. Eighteen fifty seven one five nine nine six. Had a message in on Dave Barry. Oh, Margaret says, when you're trying to open a jar, these are the things that drive you crazy, right? When you're trying to open a jar, you're in the house alone, no one to help. The hand is red raw, like a baby's bum, trying to get it open. I'm thinking of the hammer. It doesn't doesn't open. No, I can't. An old trick. Jam the top of the jar in the the door, close it a bit, and bingo, the cover loosens. It does. It does, yes. Uh, There was a a great trick as well if you have a jar with a slightly bigger lid, is to get an elastic band, like a coffee jar, right? An elastic band, and put that around it, around the lid a couple of times, and then it should twist a bit more easy. Phil has left us, is it Phil, left us a voice message about what drives her mad.
15: I can't stand when I buy a roll of tinfoil and accidentally knock the edge of it, which smushes it up. And when you try to pull off some, you're getting a thinner and thinner strip every time. And you end up wasting the whole roll and dumping it in the bin.
0: Oh, yeah.
3: This is a bit where it tears. Oh, yeah. I know. I know. I know. And then it's closed, isn't it, with a little piece of tape. Yeah. So you get the little piece of tape and it's stuck tight. So you tear not only the first sheet, but you tear under. Oh, yeah. These things are built by machines. They have to be. 1850 715 couple more if you have any more that drive you just demented. Stuff that you have around the
0: house that drives you crackers.
16: Can we just talk? The
0: Opinion Line on Corks 96 FM. With Dairy Made Premium
1: Spread, 100% natural and made in cork using West Cork Cream. Corks 96 FM's Be Kind to Your Mind with GP, author, and wellness expert, Dr. Mark Rowe
12: there's no doubt that COVID has caused massive changes to how people perceive work and particularly this idea of working from home. In my experience a lot of people that have been working from home have been feeling isolated and feeling disconnected and I think the value of the office and the value of the workplace as a sort of work home as it were has been underestimated and people will want to get back into the workplace. COVID has become a massive disruptor. Many people have been working from home and will be nervous about going back into a workplace particularly when there's many people in an indoor setting. And I think that's completely justifiable. So I think it will take time to transition back. Back, 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 back.
1: Helping you
0: through COVID. Helping you through COVID.
1: Cork's 96FM.
0: Can we just talk? The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Call us now, 1850-715-996. On Courts 96 FM. We covered the, the Dave Barry court
3: case earlier on this morning and we went through just how just horribly disappointed and cross people are and, and shocked that a lot of people were when all of this started to come out. But we remember that he was a scout leader, obviously, and very senior in the scouts but it came out in court and he was also a peace commissioner and a very very successful businessman with a very very successful photography business would have photographed hundreds of weddings would have photographed hundreds of other events school he he had a huge business from annual school photos like confirmation photos and Communion photos, that kind of thing. He had an enormous business, uh, did uh, David Barry. The Quiet Man, I don't know who you are, but it's a nice name. The amount of times I met this man to get forms signed or photographs done down through the years. Surprised to hear this as an understatement. He was almost like a celebrity photographer. And he was also a peace commissioner. That signed responsible forms, and you know, you needed a responsible individual like a peace commissioner to sign a form for you. He also had a speech impediment. He seemed nervous. Dealing with the public, he did. David Barry had a slight speech impediment. I, I remember that from being a very small boy. When he would speak at a scouting events, he had a, a bit of a, a bit of a stutter. Um, not not severe, but it would when he was in public, it would it would come out because he was quite nervous when he was speaking in public and he had a, he had a stutter. I remember that eighteen fifty seven one five nine nine six. But look, the less said about that. the better as we uh, head into a weekend and hopefully liven things and brighten things up for ourselves for the weekend and let him go into prison and let him rot there for as long as they'll keep him. We talked about MS earlier on with Decky and remind you of that Ring of Kerry charity cycle that is on uh, tomorrow and we are circulating the link for his brother Leonard's uh, GoFundMe But another condition that's out there a lot, and we've talked about it on the program more than once because of the effect it has on young lives and the many, many years and many, many surgeries that it takes to to deal with it and try and give you some quality of life, and the horrendous waiting lists at one point that were out there for surgery. I speak, of course, of scoliosis which is a curvature of the spine. And this month is Scoliosis Awareness Month. And Lisa, uh, your daughter Grace has scoliosis, I think. Good morning.
17: Good morning. Yes, she does.
3: What age is she? Tell me about her.
17: She's 12 years old now. She'll be 13 in September. And she was diagnosed when she was six months old.
3: Okay. And how bad is it?
17: Um, she's had over 50 surgeries. Um, She's had two rounds of halo traction, nine weeks at a time. She's had a halo vest. She's had multiple plaster paris casts, um, body suits and a body brace.
3: Tell me what halo traction is because it sounds awful.
17: Um, It's like a metal ring and it's drilled into the, the head with screws and there's a bag attached at the back of it then with weight in it and it pulls pulls the spine back into position enough for them to get in and operate.
3: Crikey, that sounds awfully painful for a little child.
17: The first 48 hours it's um, to describe it would be a pain in the head. Yeah. A constant pain in the head but after 48 hours she was back to herself and she was singing and dancing in the wheelchair and doing what she does, colouring and playing, and it didn't Brilliant. bother
3: her. And, and the 50 surgeries, what what would they have involved?
17: Um, Halo traction being put in, it would have involved, um, she got magic rods put in um, a number of years ago, mm. and you get them lengthened every 12 weeks, but unfortunately for Grace, hers kept breaking, and if they didn't break, a screw would come loose, or... At one time, they actually came through her skin.
3: Oh, do you mean?
17: It broke through. So it was in operation every time to fix them. And it was going on for so long that we had to take one rod out. And she just went back into the bent position then. And back on halo traction. And then we went for spinal fusion. Right. So she was fused. She would have been four years fused on the 3rd of August this year. But unfortunately, over Christmas, one of the bars broke. So we had to do it again in January and go with a heavier metal. And at the moment, she's stable. She's handling the weight. It's right. a lot heavier than the original one. But she's managing.
3: And has she's she pain. ongoing pain?
17: No, no. She has a very high threshold for pain. i say so, she has, yeah. Yeah, so she'd have to be in a lot of pain to feel it.
3: Yeah, cranky, And... I know that we have some brilliant surgeons in this country. Is there a Mr. Kylie? Is he a Corkman?
17: He's a Corkman. He's our surgeon since she was two. He is amazing, an amazing man. Um, When he first met us, he actually said she was going to be a challenge. Mm. And I think she's proved that to him. But every single time he's gone in and he's helped her and he's saved her numerous times.
3: Mm. He's He's Crumlin, isn't he, he works in?
17: He's he's in Crumlin, yeah. He's in a few hostels, but we're based in Crumlin with him. And he's just, he's been amazing through the whole journey. He's with us every step of the way, they all are. Yeah,
3: and he has a huge team around him of specialists dealing in this.
17: He has a magnificent team, yeah. Yeah,
3: because we we forget how many, there are lots more kids out there like Grace, aren't there, Lisa?
17: There is, there's a lot out there. And, I mean, they shouldn't be left-weight, no child should be left weight because it affects every part of them. Their lungs, their heart, even their tummies are crushed by the severity Mm. of their curves. So, I mean, they shouldn't be left with That's why Straight Ahead is so close to our hearts.
3: Mm. Now, tell me about Straight Ahead.
17: Straight Ahead was formed um, by Pat Kylie and by other doctors, and they they fundraise. And what they do is they take the critically ill kids off the HSC list, and they do them... through the charity so the charity pays for it they're done pro bono right right so they're just the the charity is amazing and I think it should be highlighted for for that reason alone they're helping getting those kids their surgeries because the lists are just endless with your HSE yeah and
3: I suppose there aren't too many Pat Kylies out there Lisa
17: no no I don't think so he's just so invested in the children yeah
3: yeah. And that's so. that's half the problem, I guess, you know, you've got a man that brilliant, but he's only got he's only got one literally one pair of hands.
17: Exactly. He's only got one pair of hands, that's it. But he's he like he comes down to their level and like with Grace, she gets to ask her own questions about the surgeries and what to expect afterwards. She will ask all her questions. Yeah. And yeah. he'll answer every one of them for her.
3: Someone mentioned him before in a previous conversation I had that he has a gift with children in, in that he can explain to them in their language what he's doing That that's a gift
17: exactly the kids call him um, magic hands is what the kids call him they all call him magic hands
3: oh, wow well, yeah uh, another remarkable corkman doing incredible work so for this month how can the rest of us who thankfully are not touched by this how can we help
17: The idea was that with the dance studio we've done a lot of fundraisers through lockdown Mm. and kept the kids going so I had asked could we do one for scoliosis and I would usually do the mini marathon or I would do something for them but over Covid obviously we couldn't do anything so the video will go live will go out tomorrow on Facebook and it'll be on YouTube but there will be a donate button on Facebook and People can join in, know, donate in whatever they want. Any little bit of helps. It's just it's going to the kids and it's getting those kids those surgeries that and, they and desperately need. Where
3: can we find it?
17: On Facebook, it'll right. be on the Joan Denise Moriarty School of Dance page.
3: Okay, Joan Denise Moriarty School of Dance yeah. page on Facebook. And if we want to help, there'll be a, a funding link and all. Listen, uh, give our best to Grace, and I will may, her, may her health continue to improve under the magic hands. Of of Pat Kiley. On Dave Barry, Brian says they live among us. Just blending in and doing things like this behind closed doors. Brian was on about the M20. Uh, We were talking to Karen earlier on about the M20. And the locals are very keen to stress that they have no problem with a better road to Limerick. They know that we need a better road. Road to Limerick, a blind man could tell you. We need a better road to Limerick. They're just saying, please, not this one, not a big motorway that's going to tear up our farmyards and tear up our land, and just just work and refurbish what's there and rebuild what's there and redevelop what's there. Brian was on just following up from that conversation. They have the old Mallow Road, the new Mallow Road, as well as all the other roads going in the same direction to Mallow. They now want to decimate the land with a new, new, new Mallow Road or motorway. Building a motorway for literally a few thousand cars would be equivalent to putting the Twin Towers on Cave Clear when a guest house would meet demand. Crazy stuff. Well, Brian, we do need between the two, two principal cities... Uh, the principal cities of every country should be served by motorways. Absolutely. We have Cork and Dublin. We have Dublin and Galway served by, by motorways. We don't yet have Cork-Limerick. I think you have Limerick-Galway. Limerick-Galway is now served by motorway. But Cork and Limerick isn't. And We do need a motorway, but not that particular motorway that they're talking about it's like to it though because it's an ongoing and an interesting one 185715996 when we look back on 2021 uh, in other way at the end of the year you, you round up the year and you look back on the, the things that happened and we will look back on the people we lost and very early in the year we lost our much loved and uh, internationally loved uh, Cara O'Sullivan and at Cork Opera House they have set up a series of summer outdoor events in her memory. Uh, Eileen Gleason from Cork Opera House. Eileen, good morning.
2: Good morning, PJ. How are you doing?
3: Good. This is the Cara O'Sullivan Associate Artist Programme. Tell me more.
2: So, PJ, we we really felt that it was our place and our responsibility to celebrate and memorialise the incredible legacy that Cara O'Sullivan left in her wake. And um, I suppose from from our point of view, you know, it's It's a, it's a responsibility that we carry to preserve her legacy and in particular to preserve, I suppose, the spirit and the generosity that she showed towards the people in the community and towards other singers and how generous she was with her talent and i'm sure there's many of your listeners who are in receipt of that um generosity many many times so uh we got together and put um you know put our thinking caps on you know how do you celebrate this incredible woman and this incredible legacy and we i suppose we're use the context of the time that we're in at the moment to really kind of think about what can we deliver you know Mm -hmm. and we came about this idea of putting in place um, a Cara Sullivan Associated Artist Programme which I suppose has two um, two objectives the first is to celebrate Cara uh, preserve her legacy and the second is to create in her name opportunities for singers Um, to I suppose develop their own profile develop their own performance opportunities in particular now Mm. during a time where there is no um, live operatic performance and as well as that PJ it's really important that this that this generation of Cork opera lovers have access to opera at all times you know Mm. I mean that's part of the function of the opera house. something magic about opera
3: Eileen and I only realised this my my, first of all when when, before I got married I knew nothing about opera and cared less but my my wife loves it and and knows a bit about it and taught me to understand it and it's one thing I'll always be grateful to her for but it's something I've also realised is it is something that transcends age. It's young people and love opera.
2: And the people of Cork have always had this very, very special relationship with opera as an art form, and I think it's because, partly because, you know, there has been an opera house in situ in Cork for almost 170 years. So generations of, of Cork people have enjoyed opera, whereas you know, other cities wouldn't have had that mm. um, access to it. And that's something that, you know, I, as the, I suppose, custodian of of this, of opera in this city with the Opera House, takes that responsibility seriously. And it's important that, you know, that this generation also has the same opportunities. And you're right, it does transcend, you know, whether or not you understand the words. It doesn't really matter. No. It's about, I suppose, the power the feeling, you know, these singers and they're masters of their technique and they're masters of their work. And And Cara was uniquely
3: able to bring, she had that incredible skill because she she was as ordinary as she was. Everybody loved her. And then she opened her mouth and this enormous voice came out. She did so much.
2: Yeah, I mean, firstly, she was like a joy to watch. She was completely hilarious, completely brilliant. Like, she was, like, I've never seen anybody make it so accessible as Cara did, you know, and, you know, as you say, like, you know, she was as ordinary as the rest of us, you know, but she, you know, she's this world-class hero, you know, um, in the opera world, and it's really, I mean, I say it again, like, it's really important that we celebrate her, and that we, you know, we haven't, we didn't have the chance to have the big concert yet, we didn't have the chance to have the big gathering to celebrate her. But this is what we can do at the moment, okay. and so it's really have,
3: important that we do it. You have four, uh, four, four singers. You have four uh, singers. Emma Nash, Rachel Croche, Gavin Ring, and Rory Musgrave, and they're going to perform... Now, how's this being done? An entire so you- opera can be four hours like
14: well,
2: we're, we've are we condensed the the operas down. They're about forty-five minutes each. Okay, Brilliant. so we'll we'll have a narrator that will tell the story. And John O'Brien and Conor Hanrahan have brilliantly reworked the pieces to, I suppose, to reduce them in size so that they're an abridged version of of the work. Um Which again, I think, is a really good opportunity. Maybe if you haven't experienced opera before, this would be a really good way to you know, test it out, you know, um, because it's, they're bite size. you know, Great. and it's without all the pomp and ceremony. Like, there's, you know, you're, you're, there isn't even so much as a microphone or, you know, a PA. Like, this Good. is completely, and utterly like, stripped, raw and bare. So um, th- and the we, the uh,
3: music will start and the singing will begin. And they're on next weekend and the 14th and 15th and 24th and 25th of July. What I will do, Eileen, because I have to get to something that's um, pre- prearranged, I will leave it there and we will mention what's happening, and I know that they're doing coverage on the Arts House as well on Sundays of what's coming up, but good luck with it, and I hope to get thanks to at, you, at least one of the performances. I really am looking forward to it.
2: Brilliant. Thank, Thank you.
3: Thanks very much, Eileen, and uh, you can, tickets from that and whatever, House.ie. there are tickets available. Uh, the events are free, but you have to get tickets because of COVID restrictions and all of that. Something is happening at 1 minute to 12 today. On all the radio stations in the country, and Cork's 96 of M, delighted to be part of it. Rainbow Blood is a powerful spoken word performance, just 60 seconds long. But it is being simultaneously broadcast on all of the radio stations in the country, the independent radio stations. And it's a gesture of solidarity and support for the LGBTI plus community during Pride Month and it's it's coming from Belong to Youth Services. Monine Griffiths is their CEO, and she joins me. Monine, this is a huge effort. It'll be on the, every station in the country at 1 minute to 12. What have we got to look forward to? Good morning.
18: Good morning, and firstly, just huge big thank you um, to to you and everyone at the station for your support. It's great. Um, this is, I suppose, a moment for us to uh, Mark to listen to a beautiful poem first of all I mean it just gives me goosebumps Um, I've heard the recording and it's just beautiful so it's well worth listening to beautiful poet Uh, spoken word poet Felice speaks. wrote this it's a a reimagining of that song Somewhere Over the Rainbow and it's of course you know the whole Dorothy and Wizard of Oz and all that it has such Um, LGBT connotations. Um, I suppose the the idea behind this is that you know it's Pride Month. We're all celebrating um, how far we've come in Ireland in terms of LGBT rights and equality, with marriage equality and uh, and gender recognition, and and in general, a much more accepting. society than Ireland was maybe 10 years ago. But it's not all rainbows, I suppose, is what the poem says. And it's what we belong to and lots of LGBT organisations around the country, including all over Cork, know, because we're, we're still seeing, unfortunately, homophobia, transphobia, bi- biphobia in our schools, in our public spaces, online and even sometimes in our homes. So this is a moment for us to stop, think, Celebrate how far we've come and realise that there's still a lot of work to be done um, to create the kind of country that we really want to be Mm. proud of, where no matter what your gender identity or sexual orientation, that you feel visible, valued and included.
3: Is it fair to say that the further we go, the further we realise we need to go?
18: Oh, I've never heard it said like that, but that sounds that sounds about right. You don't know what you don't know. You know, it's the unknown unknowns. So then, you know, when we start to be aware of it, I suppose when that unconscious bias, when that when the light goes on, when your when your eyes are open to it, you can start seeing stuff um, all around. Whether that's homophobia, racism, um, you know, or prejudice of any kind, because we're we're brought up in a in a, a, a culture. Um, I suppose, where a lot of these beliefs or myths um, are are deeply uh, embedded. So once you start then noticing them and realizing them, Uh, you start seeing them everywhere and then that starts behaviour change as well.
3: You're part of the way of seeing them and realising you can do something about them. We look forward to it, Moneen, and uh, thank you for speaking with us on The Opinion That's Moneen Griffith from Be Long to Youth Services. One minute to 12, you will hear a poem on 96FM and it is on every radio station in the country at that one minute to 12 for today. uh, As part of Pride Month, And again, it's a matter of raising awareness and showing solidarity and support for the LGBTI+. 1850-715-996. 1850 eighteen fifty seven one five nine nine six. Just getting back to where we were talking about uh, beer and cheese, which was a whole new one on me and something I'm kind of tempted to try this weekend. Certainly <laughs> looking forward to trying it this weekend. Uh, we were talking to... Who were we? Oh, yes. Uh, Judy down at Rising Suns Brewery about beer and cheese. And it prompted a voice message on WhatsApp from, is it Louise? It is.
6: I recently just read a short story called Gruere in the Desmond by Blind Boy Ball Club. And it was actually about a local pub with a load of old fellas and how they all used to pick a particular cheese every week that they'd have with their pint of stout or their pint of Murphy's or whatever. And they actually formed a cheese club in the pub so when i heard the story there about the cheese and the bear just reminded me of it it's in a book called voices in open door book of short stories and it was a fantastic story so i just it just reminded me
3: of that nice one thanks louise for that and we always love getting your voice messages just pop them on to whatsapp 083 396 96 96. if it's too long to type if you don't have time to take a phone call then Send it to us on WhatsApp uh, in the form of a voice note. And it doesn't actually matter what it's about. Eighteen fifty seven one five nine nine six. I thought that after the last couple of years and the uh, stories that came out of it and the difficulties that people found themselves, I thought they would do away with Love Island. But they're not. It's back, and it's back this weekend. Denise Curtin, how are you?
15: Great, how are you?
3: Good. They're gonna, they've, they've had to reimagine it, though, a bit, haven't they?
15: Um, they have, they have, yeah. I, I think they're being a lot more careful with um, with everything that they're saying surrounding this year's show, simply because you know there's a lot of commentary about whether or not it's going to be more equal and diverse, and you know whether or not it's going to kind of follow the same format as it has in previous years. So they are being very careful with everything they're saying. Um, you know, even in terms of releasing information about the contestants. You know, we know we know quite little, but. Um, their name and a little bit about them but um, yeah, it, it's going to be interesting to see how this year is, is going to play out, you know, it's it's the first summer series that we're going to have since the passing of Caroline Flack, yes. so it's going to be the first one that Laura Whitmore is taking over um, so yeah, there's, there's a lot of That's an Irish there,
3: interest, she, she's presenting now, isn't she, this year?
15: Yeah, she's presenting this year. So we saw her kind of, you could say, debut hosting, um, job on the Winter Love Island, which took place in Cape Town in uh, January, February of 2020. So this will be her first time presenting the summer series in, uh, Mallorca. So it's going to be interesting, um, to see what happens with this season I'll tell you though like fans are really expecting a lot from it you know they want to want to see a more diverse cast they want to see a lot more people included they want to see you know mm. the show being a lot kinder which I mean you know it, part to play of that is up to us to be kinder and how we react to it so um, yeah yeah it, it, it's, it's an interesting one but it's the, a phenomenon
3: isn't it Denise I mean the popularity of this thing is huge
15: It's massive, it's absolutely massive and we all know that when it returns, you know, Monday, June 28th, the ratings are going to be through the roof because people love the show, they love seeing drama play out on screen, they love seeing, you know, the dating aspect of it, people getting with each other, people subsequently falling out, the kind of catty behaviour. The drama! The drama, absolutely. You know, we all, we're all we all keen for uh, for a bit of drama. And as we say, you know, reality TV is such an escape a lot of the time as well. Uh, it's, it, it, it's, it's quite it's, an easy it's watch. It's,
3: bub- it's bubblegum for the brain. But it's, it's back on the 28th, which is Monday. Denise will talk again. Uh, very busy today. So just get a, a quick mention of the fact that Love Island is back. There's a lot more on your television over the weekend. But that's back on Monday. The Netflix series on Sophie Tosca, and Plenty, by the way, drops next week and we will be covering that one too, just a total contrast. Right, very quickly before we get out today and we have to do that simulcast at one minute to midday. Today is the International Day of the Seafarer and it will be marked in Cork Harbour in approximately six minutes' time. Connor Moulds is Chief Commercial Officer with the Port of Cork. Connor, it's going to get noisy in about six minutes.
19: No, it sure is, PJ. How are you? Good morning. Oh, Good yeah. morning to you? you know, What's was, uh, this about? Well, it's we're today we have an opportunity to mark uh, the day to seafarer. You know, these seafarers all around the world um, make a huge contribution, a critical contribution to all of our lives. Whether it's the clothes we wear, whether it's the, the food we eat, the energy that we use to power our businesses and homes. And uh, and today at twelve o'clock, we've asked all the uh, ships in the harbour to sound their horns and to, to celebrate that. And we'd ask all the, the people in the harbour to, to participate by selling or, or posting their videos on social media and, and, and to listen to it. So it's going to get About noisy.
3: How many are in the harbour at the moment? if you a way of knowing?
19: Uh, in terms of seafarers, no. I mean, that would there's, there's, be, be difficult. But I will give you one statistic. There's, a, there's 1.6 million seafarers around the world at any given time um, away from home mm. uh, doing their, their really good so I mean, job. Have you any idea
3: how many horns are likely to
19: go off at 12 o'clock? Oh, you're you're literally in. in, We could we could hear in the hundreds. Uh, At least we hope we do, because it's not just the ships we want to hear horns. It's every. It's all the leisure craft. It's everyone out there. We'd like to hear a beep of the horn celebrate and mark this really important day. It's, it sounds like it'll be a great, uh, a great experience. It'll be, uh, <laughs> you want to be
3: kind of ready for it, which is why we wanted to bring on to, to, uh, to remind people about it. So happening in approximately four and a half minutes time at midday to mark the International Day of the Seafarer. And of course we're such a maritime city, such a maritime nation. Great to mark and important. Thank you, Conor. Conor Moulds, who's Chief Commercial Officer with the Port of Cork. A couple of things to do before we're out of here. Can you play or can you say congratulations to John Butler in Cove on the birth of his seventh child that's from Steve congratulations John I imagine John's other half probably had something to do with that I don't have a name but we can think of them as well. John O'Donnell was on about, I heard Michael from the VFI on the news saying they're afraid that the reopening date will be pushed back further due to Delta. This is never going to end. Publicans need to take a stand now. We have to learn to live with this. Well, do you know what? We're finished with that now for this week. I've no doubt that we'll be back with it again uh, after the weekend, but we'll park it there and we'll park the pandemic for now. Because I'm sick of it, I don't know about you, but I certainly am. And that is it for this Friday and for this week. The programme today, edited by Fergal Barry, produced and researched by Maureen Tuig. Stand by for that simulcast with all the radio stations to mark Pride Month, and we'll see you on Monday just after nine.
14: Somewhere over the rainbow, the night continues underground. The gays are meeting for drinks in bars designed for just them and men with gentle knuckles... Because we're still scared. Somewhere over the rainbow, drag queens cram into tight spaces. There's safety in the number of people you don't have to explain your love to. Because we're still scared. Somewhere over the rainbow, all of Dorothy's friends have come down from the high the mighty propped us up on. We've packed up and pocketed the streamers from the day of celebration gone. Because we're still scared. Somewhere over the rainbow, avoiding violet bruises and bloody lips, we find the tribes we belong to and make families of queer friends because we're still scared of bleeding rainbow blood. A
9: performance on behalf of Belong To Youth Services in support of Ireland's LGBTI community. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable.